Welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is The Real Deal with me, Larry Lawton, and Benz. What's up? What's up? And we have a special guest today, everybody. I have Judge David Silverman from Bavard County. He's an actual sitting judge, and he's been a judge for, what, Dave, 23 years? A little more than 23 years. Wow. Wow. Well, if you're watching this, you're going to see Judge. I know the judge for a while. Uh, we became friends after the thing. We'll talk about how we met and all that. And uh, Judge Silverman uh, has always wore a bow tie. Not on a golf course, but he always had a bow tie. It looks great. Well, I, you know, I want people to be a little relaxed in the courtroom. And when you are a judge, you only see a small portion of somebody's clothing because you're covered by a robe. And so the, the tie stands out, and people can be a little more relaxed, ratchet down the tension a little bit, let them, let them perform a little better, be able a little more articulate, because it can be intimidating standing in front of a judge. And I don't, sure. I, I think I've been in front of judges more than any of you, in front of them. Uh, and I could tell you, I wouldn't give a fuck if he was nude up there. I want to hear what he says, because when he says 144 months, you think, oh, that's not bad. Start adding that fucker up. 144 months is 12 years. But even before I get with the judge, guys, remember we got gangster redemptions going crazy. It still is, everybody. Also, the Crooked Diamond Cigars are coming out September 1st. I'm going to be talking about them a lot. I'm going down to see Oliva. They're going to be sponsoring our show, I think. Uh, and so we have a whole bunch of stuff coming. The Crooked Diamond is an amazing brand. It's a relaxing brand. I've been a cigar smoker for 40 years. And uh, I picked the blend, and it's, it's an amazing cigar. Everybody who smoked them, in fact, Ben's, our producer here, is really going to be running that. He's a cigar aficionado. And uh, on the real, this is going to be an amazing project. We're going to be all over the country, over the world, actually. We're going to be selling all over the world. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And that's coming out, so you're going to hear a lot more about that. You're going to see them next show, next Friday, this Friday show, coming up. You're going to see the box. I got a... a, a the sample sets, the uh, prototypes are, have been made and everything's done. So I'll have them up here. Probably smoke one, Benz. What do you think? I can't wait. <laughs> so we're going to do that. And now uh, we're going to be talking today. I wanted to bring everybody up to date here. First of all, a few things going on. Uh, uh, before we get with the judge, uh, Benz, any, any update on Mike, meth head Mike? Not, nothing since Friday. I mean, the only thing we know about Mike right now is that he's MIA. Last thing we know about him is his uncle and that he owes people a lot of money. Just same, same basic shit. As, same and and Friday. you're finding out he's robbing more money. Well, we're finding out about more people who gave him money. You know, we're, we want to call it Robin, but that the fact is, is he asked and they gave, so there's no Robin. No, no, no. He's but, a but fucking it, scumbag. Use a gun. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'd prefer he actually robbed them if he's going to take their money, huh? Listen to me. You can't say, I can't say I conned money at him. No, I had a gun. Right. You know, I mean, I took, look, uh, if you guys are watching this, you're going to see the judge's face. <laughs> well, you know, I would like to, I would like to get the judge's perspective on what happened with Mike. I'll let you explain a little bit about the case. Yeah, we're going to get what, into that. That would be cool. We will hit that. So stay, stay tuned, guys. You know, the show's been getting good and. You guys asked for longer. Uh, we're not doing it on purpose. Uh, it's just kind of happening. It's happening, and we're really enjoying it. So let me go and give a little background. Let me tell you who I got today. First of all, I have a man that I met about 14 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, because we were at a golf tournament. It was 2008, so whatever, 14 years ago, yeah. 2008. I just started my reality check program. In fact, 
I, uh, it was really funny because I had uh, the juvenile court system implemented, Judge uh, Morgan Ryman. And she implemented the program with Jean Bandish. You remember her, of course. She's still around, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I heard from her once. She's a good kid. Her and uh, Kimberly, the other one, uh, she works at the state attorney's office. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I met Judge at a golf tournament. We ended up golfing together. Now, people who know me here, I used to be a good golfer. Then I didn't care. This was a, He loves a, to a, say, I used to be. <laughs> he loves to say that. That's his go-to line when he talks about golfing. You are still in the 80s. I don't want to hear used to be good when the majority, the huge majority of golf players don't even break 100. So let's, the used to be thing, let's leave that behind. This You're a good a, golfer. How about a lot worse than I was? I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, I'll that. tell you, he, this was a charity tournament, the Sheriff's Pal Tournament. And they had teams, but as a judge, I can't leverage lawyers to be on a team with me. So I was with the other unassigned people. I was in a cart with Larry Lawton. Right. And so um, I, I don't really play golf. I claim to play golf. I don't play very well. You already got a good swing. And so there's, there's Larry, and he, was, he told me a little bit about himself and how he'd been to prison, and I saw him. He is a good player. I mean, and I thought, these prisons must be more liberal than I had been. <laughs> <laughs> I on the golf course. What the? Anyway, um, so Larry got to talking about what he did. And he had this uh, reality check program. And he looked different. I mean, the other people out there look pretty, pretty staid uh, for the, the sheriff's pal tournament. Yes, but, but how did I look? What do you say I look? Much the same as you do right now. I mean, is this... Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't look different than that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a lot bigger. I think I gained a lot of weight. Yeah. So in those days, he had the CD. Remember? <laughs> he, so he gave DVD. Me, no, no, no. It was a DVD. 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 A DVD. And so he gave me the, a, a copy of the DVD that was used in the reality check program um, for... Well, for well, let, me, let me back up everybody for one sec. What happened is when I developed the reality check program when I got out of prison, it's a four-part program that helps young people all over the world. It has been recognized on the floor of the United States Congress. It's got an amazing success rate. We have a 90% success rate of keeping kids out of jail, 70% better attitudes, 43% better school grades and 30, 31% better school attendance. And I didn't do that quantitative analysis. Uh, Eastern Florida State College did that. Actually, back then it was Br- uh, Broward Community College. They actually did it. The whole honors, the master's program in the honors or whatever program they had up there. M- uh, Marina Baration, that was her name, the professor. And I still speak up there once a year. But at the time of the, the, uh, the tournament, no. But I'm that, saying what I was getting. Was, oh, go ahead. No, no, what I was getting at. Where I thought is that the program was developed, and I put that program on a DVD. Right. That's what people are going to understand, what you meant by that, that right. program. Okay, well, go ahead. It was a DVD about your experiences and, and how you came to be involved in this program and your experiences in prison. So um, you gave me a copy of it, and um, this was before any of, the, any of this the reality check program was new, and the question that I was considering is whether I should be sending people to this program. So I wanted, to, I wanted to see this DVD, I, but I'm in court. Now, I had a high school intern, Nathaniel, and so I watched about five minutes of it, and so I said, uh, Nathaniel, would you watch the rest of this for me? I, I've got to go into court, and then let me know what you think, because it's really, he was the, the target audience for this sort of program. So he came out, he said, you know, there's some movies that you can't remember the name of a week after you've seen them. There's others that... Like the Omen, 
these graphic images. That's what this is like. Exorcist. You, you won't you won't forget this. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well let's let's try it. Um, so I began sending some people to Larry's program with a return date. They had to come back and they had to tell me what they thought of the program. And so that the, in order to get the credit for doing so. Did you and tell so, them that he, no matter if they said it was better? Well, correct. They're, they're getting credit no matter what they say it was, and they were positive. And so that's where I, I began to use the program more readily. Well, l- let me a- emphasize what uh, Judge Silverman is saying. Uh, my program was made originally for younger people. And I say younger people, 11 to 18. But what we have found out, that it is really made for 11 to 40, because people make bad choices. I don't care who you are, you make bad choices. And in Judge Silverman's courtroom, he deals, he's a county court judge. I'm going to go into his background here in a minute. And he sentences people for crimes under a year. That's a county court judge's uh, mandate. They, they handle cases that can only ha- handle up to a year in jail. Am I correct? I have the best job, Larry. I you have, do. We're going to get have, into your I job. I have the respectability of a judge without, for the most part, ever having to devastate anybody's life. Uh, have you ever sentenced somebody to life? Yeah. Well, then you devastated their fucking well, life. Well, I can talk about that. Yeah, we are. No, no, we're going to talk. Cause what Judge Silverman was just saying is there's levels. Of, I'm going to give a little quick education. In the, in the judicial system, there is a county where you live. There's the county court judge. First of all, they have magistrates. And tell them to go fuck themselves because that's usually a lawyer wanting to be a judge. He's not a judge. The magistrates over here are, uh, it's a joke. You can never win a case. You do know that. You will never, ever win a traffic citation if you check that box that you want to go in front of that traffic magistrate. There are traffic magistrates and there's family court magistrates. You're, okay. all, you're not talking about the family. No, 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 I'm not. I'm talking about the guys that sit there, they want to be a judge, and they want to get the, you know, to sit up on that podium, and they hand out tickets. Really. But anyway, just to let you know, there's really, I'm not even going to count I, those. I'm not, I've never actually seen a magistrate at work. We don't. Judges don't go in and watch each other. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, Judge Silverman is a county court judge. Now, don't get me wrong. You have the qualifications of any judge. Because, first of all, well, Judge Silverman is elected. He, he's been elected six, five times? I've just been learned, Larry, that I'm unopposed for my fifth consecutive six years. Congratulations, Dave. Very good. Uh, listen to me. I remember supporting you in the beginning. And uh, because your visions of... We've changed, I've changed your mind on stuff, and we're going to talk about that in a minute and uh, a couple other things. And you've changed mine in good ways, too. I will say that. But anyway, uh, there's a county court judge, then there's what they call a circuit court judge. And we're going to have a special guest on here uh, who's going to be a circuit court judge. In fact, the person is going to be the chief judge who runs the judges. Boy, you want that headache. Run, run those egos, you know? And then you have the fifth circuit, or this is the fifth circuit court of the. It's called an appellate division. And then after the appellate division, they have this Florida Supreme Court. So that's how the structure of judges. So there's only four structures. So to say he has no response, listen, they go by qualifications. Judge Silverman sits, he can take another judge's uh, uh, like docket, I, I assume. And that docket could be murder cases, could be rape cases. And he is, qual- do you have to be specially qualified for that? You have to be specially qualified if you're a circuit judge going to be handling death penalty cases. Other than that, um, you don't have to have some special qualification. I am, however, certified by the Florida Bar as a specialist in criminal trial law. 
Good. Uh, you know, well, I'm going to give his background here now. And uh, I know Judge, Judge Silverman worked for the state attorney's office. He worked for the public defender handle, and he was the uh, chief of the felony division in the state attorney's office. Then he went to the public defender's office, and he handled death penalty and capital crime cases. I mean, bad shit, man. I, I was, Can't I was, imagine. I was chief of a felony division in the, in the state attorney's office, where, where we, we supervised other attorneys handling the most serious sorts of prosecutions. But I, you're right. I spent five years in the, about five years in the public defender's office in their capital division handling first-degree murder cases and a variety of capital sexual battery that carries a mandatory life sentence. You know, those, you know I'm going to ask you some things when we get into something. Not, when we get a little bit more serious, but we're going to get a few of these down. We're going to get the, the light stuff out, so to speak. Uh, but anyway, so Judge Silverman is, has sits on... Now, the county court judges, that's the first level of judge you're going to see. If you get a traffic, if you get a, a fight, a misdemeanor... Anything that carries under a year in jail is considered a misdemeanor, and you go to a county court judge. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't fuck with a judge. I tell everybody this. In the, in the way <laughs> Dave looking shakes his head, there's a judge. He's sitting here in a bow tie. When I say fuck, don't fuck with a judge. He's, oh, my God. There goes Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to lighten things up with the bow tie here, you know? Yeah, it don't matter. <laughs> and, and we go to dinner. We go to dinner once a month in a, in a men's group, and he knows me very well. I, I am who I am, whether I'm here or even at the table. Am a I not? men's group? Well, it's the mafia group we uh, have. Men's group. He's our legal counsel He's for the mafia group. No, no, that's please, please <laughs> don't that's, don't that's, say that's not accurate at all. We're messing with you. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. No, the, it's not. What, what we're gonna do is I am the same. I am at the group. You are. You're the real deal. Yeah, there you go. That was good. But anyway, Dave, what do you light a cigar and relax for a second? Here, you got a nice lighter. You got a nice. Uh, you got a Oliva. And we got the series uh, V Olivas, the Milano. Series, series, no S. I always do say series V. Yeah. Series V. Yeah. Ben's has really been educating me on cigars. It's not working. The <laughs> it's working. It's working. Yeah. It, oh boy, it worked. When you open up, that does definitely work. <laughs> yeah, the only time I have cigars are monthly dinners. So yes. So we have monthly. So we know each other. You're gonna get your two cigar month for you, <laughs> <Yeah>. huh? <laughs> but and I always give them the cigars. <laughs> no, so we have a box of cigars. It's for everybody. So uh, what I was getting at is, so uh, I know Judge Silverman very well, and he's first of all, you know, when I met, I'm gonna talk about how he met me was in the golf course. And he yes. mentioned that. I'm gonna tell you how I met him. I met him there, obviously, but you know, I used to have people who know me know I lo- know the law very well. Uh, 10 years of the law, federal law. And uh, Judge Silverman and I, I used to go to your chambers, if you remember. We'd go to lunch and stuff. And, and I used to debate you. We used to debate mm-hmm. the law. I mean all the law. Federal law, please debate me because I know that. Now, I will say this, and I'm not saying this just because you're here. And I've said this to many people, and I said it to Ben's earlier. You are the smartest man I know with the law and a lot of things. He did say that. Thank th- you. You are the smart, And I enjoy testing my own abilities or my own or how I present the case to you, you know, a person or something. Because I, I know I have to be on my, I have to be on my best. I, I actually, when I debate you, and know when I used to, I used to go back and double check shit. You know, <laughs> I ain't messing, because I know he'll know it. And he does. Larry debating anybody? What a, what a weird concept. <laughs> no, Tuesday, I'm right, they're wrong, uh, and it's it. That's not a debate. <laughs> Back in the mob, you know. Did I debate my boss? No, he was uh, right. No, right. <laughs> Always right. Always. And when he's wrong, we're fooled. We're, you know how I know he was right? 
Because you're sitting here to tell about it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, in my old business, you didn't go to jail. Right. You went underground. <laughs> and it wasn't a tunnel by Tel Chapo. So, the, uh, so I enjoyed debating Dave, uh, Judge Silverman here, a lot. I really did. And we used to go in there, and we debated everything. Obviously, the gun laws, you know, I know the federal stuff... You once said I'd be one of the best federal law, uh, lawyers around. Well, you have a, a really good knowledge of federal law. Federal, and particularly federal sentencing is very right. complicated. There, there are a number of different factors and different um, uh, ranges that, that move the federal sentencing, uh, the, the judge, to some suggested guidelines. But it's, it is uh, very difficult, to, to even for uh, accomplished lawyers, to, uh, to master those. Sure. So, and, 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 uh, well, so Larry was, yeah. part of what he was doing in prison was to try and help people through those in terms of re getting them resentenced. And um, that, that takes a good deal of knowledge, but also it takes the ability to get the judge interested in your position. And, you know, you can have some very fine lawyers who write briefs. You can't remember a word of it after, <laughs> afterwards, but Larry got their attention. You know how I did that. Uh, I'll, I'll give the credit to another law, a judge. There was a retired federal judge who came to the prison, and he you had to be a certified paralegal or work in a law library of some sort to go to this class that this judge gave. And uh, he was, boy, was he knowledge. He, he says, as a federal judge, our clerks mostly read so much bullshit, he goes, and legalese. When I say legalese, that means... Legalese. Yeah, that, that's just the... You have to use legal terms and stuff. Legal well, language, right. Yeah. Now, as a pro se litigant, which pro se means for oneself, to let everybody know. And everybody in the world is allowed, in the United States, is allowed to represent themselves. You do not have to have a lawyer, don't anybody... I watched a mob guy go to trial. It was the funniest trial. It's, they made a movie of it. And he represented himself. It was like a unbelievable big. Mo it was the funniest thing in the world. He, he ends up going away for life, but you know. He, but anyway, you are allowed. Right, you have a right of self-representation. But you're you not. Understand. But you're not going to take. You're not going to take it any different on the person just because he decides to. You're not going to give him a break because he doesn't know the law. No, somebody doesn't. Well, somebody doesn't get extra consideration because they're representing themselves. Right. That's but personal but wait a minute, wait a minute. That, I'm going to debate that one. Okay. Because you looking at him are not, you don't want to step into a landmine with him so you get an appeal. So you don't, your job is to make a fair trial, obviously. A judge is not the one, a judge is the referee of a trial. Now that judge makes rulings. When you can overturn a case, there's usually the most common way is Vordaer, and that's with the, with the juries and stuff of that nature, especially with a jury trial. But the judge makes rulings. Those are what are looked at by the next level. Were they good? Were they right? Did he overstep? Forget, if, if you do anything against the Constitution, forget it. That's automatic. That's like, okay, next. Sure, should but be. as far as Judge Silverman, if you have a pro se litigant in front of you, he's not, I'm not saying he's going to give him a break. But he's going to make sure he knows, no, 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 hold on. He's going to say, you can't do it that way. You can't ask that question. You can't do this. Now, if that was a lawyer, he would throw that guy out of court. I mean, a lawyer can't do that. They can get sanctioned. There's a whole different animal with a lawyer. Pro se litigants are a little more colorful. <laughs> they, they, uh, they sometimes are not as articulate. And so I think it, it, it's incumbent on the judge to listen. 
very carefully. Well, you're, you're, you're one of the best at that. And thank God, because I talk a lot. No. Uh, <laughs> is it true to say that, that uh, you don't have to be smart to defend yourself if you know that you're innocent? You know, I, I think that there's a premise on that which I don't agree with. And I'll tell you what that is. Uh-huh. I hear this sometimes. People say, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. I don't need a lawyer. So the premise is that no innocent person could ever be convicted. <laughs> Did you know at the last count? There's you three. Believe that? That? There's you three. Not, that not, not for a second. No. Hold, hold on, Judge. There's, uh, last day, I just looked it up last week. Uh, I was doing a show, one of my videos. 3,000 people right now, the Innocent Project figures that are in prison right now, totally innocent. 3,000. Not See, what people don't understand, I, let me, I, I'm getting off care, but I got to really watch, write that one down because people get the law messed up on that one. There are a lot of total innocence. Is, is rare. I, I was in prison with the fucking killers and shit. It's rare. Oh, everybody's innocent in prison. Wow. Uh, we got 2,000 innocent people here. No. One million prisoners, but they are all innocent. Yeah, yeah. 2.3. <laughs> but anyway, what I was getting at with you is the, uh, what I think is wrong is the sentencing Im- imbalances, the ghost dope, which is, do you know what ghost dope is? Yeah. Ghost dope is when the police or the prosecutor charges you with more weight of a dope they get. Let me give you an example, and you'll like this as a judge, and hope you can use it. A judge gets a warrant for my neighbor's house, and they say he's selling dope out of that house. Okay, the ju- they go in that house and they get him, and they find, you know, two ounces of cocaine. I'm just giving you mm. a, an example. Of course, my neighbors are good. <laughs> okay, so uh, it, there's two ounces of cocaine in the house. Well. This guy's not going to rat. And he says, I'm not rat. Because usually they want to go up the chain, the police. They want to get to the next level. Next, And I used to tell him, hey, listen, buddy, you're not getting Pablo Escobar here. Easy. Fucking put the kid in jail and don't fucking ruin another life. But what happened was they'll tell, an informant told them that he bought two eight balls of Coke from this house. Well, they will get that informant to say, no, I, not only him, I bought... Five ounce, five grams of coke every week for a year, and they add that weight, and then they'll they'll get another informant to say, "Oh no, no, I sold him a kilo, and that kilo, I, I sold him a kilo three times a year or four times a year, so now it's four or five kilos of dope. It's called ghost dope. It's very common in the federal system, and what they do is they enhance your sentencing. What you what you were telling people is very correct." The sentencing guidelines are very tricky, and that's what we, we got to know very, very well, of course, because that's, again, right. you, you do. But people, what, people may be familiar with sentencing guidelines in Florida, which are a numerical thing, but they're, they're a completely different animal in the federal court. Sure. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're right. You're 100%. They, what the, uh, Judge Silverman is saying is, first of all, the feds and state, obviously, are, are different. Uh, they're all set up, and I was talking about structures of government one, one show and the same thing, but it's not the same. Like you said, because in the federal in the federal system, you go across the boundary and it goes by weight on dope. So if you have if you have five hundred grams of, of cocaine, five hundred grams, a half a kilo, a kilo is a thousand grams. That's what a kilo is. It's two point two pounds. Is a, you can add it all up. So it's a thou, uh, five hundred grams and more is minimum mandatory five to twenty. Okay, five years to twenty, unless there's a downward departure. I can get it. That downward departure is either what they call a 5K1, which a 5K1 is snitching usually, and the other one is a Rule 35, which is post-conviction, 
which people don't. And, and even that, the federal law says you're only allowed to have one year, but they don't fucking follow their own rule. Because I watch cases after a guy's been in a year, oh, two, three years, and he gets out on uh, Rule 35 because he gave, gave uh, information to the government. Well, they'll say, oh, it was an ongoing case. We pushed it forward. A lot of bullshit rules. So this, those are downward departures. And downward departures means from the sentencing guidelines. So it gives the judge leeway to do whatever he wants, pretty much. Well, in the federal system, 500 grams to 5 kilos is minimum mandatory 20 years, 5 to 20. If you get, uh, uh, it might be 10 kilos, I might be off there. 10 kilos and more, 10 to life, automatic. So if a guy gets, you know, a guy gets caught with 12, 15 kilos of coke in his trunk, he, he's making good money, he goes to New York, he goes, yeah, I got fucking three years. Yeah, okay. That means you and your mother and everybody else just were ratting on somebody in there. Because you're not, you can't do that unless there's a, unless he says, I only got three years because I got cerebral palsy and, and they gave me a medical downward departure. That can happen, obviously. Well, there has to be a reason for a downward departure. It has to be very well articulated. Because we got guys downward departure, legit ones. And now they have these new compassionate releases and stuff that... I, you, we was talking with the guy. Uh, uh, he was great. Chad. Chad, Chad Mark. Yep. Yeah, he's a, he, a guy who was in for 18 years. He knew we know each other. We know the people. And we did law together. So we got into it, didn't we, man? It was great, man. I broke out my legal books that I have right <laughs> here. Still got my number on them. I, I really did. I, I broke all my legal... Man, boys, boy, bringing back... You're bringing back memories. But anyway... What I was getting at now, so the federal system uses that to fuck with you. Because if they charge you with three kilos, you know you're going to prison. You get what I'm saying? So they call it ghost dope. And they, that's meaning they might not have to catch that dope on you. That's hard dope. I mean, you can't, how do you fight that? I'm driving in my car and I got a, uh, you know, my trunk is full of 20 kilos. Well, that's yours. It's in your car. It's in your possession. That's not ghost dope. When they start adding up what informants say, and now you as a defendant, you know you're guilty, but you say, I fucking didn't do 20 kilos. You know what I mean? I never, I never saw that. What do you look? I live, in, I live in Palm Bay, Florida. How the hell come I have 20 kilos? What happens is they charge you with that to make you either flip or go to trial. And you know in the federal system, if you do go to trial, not a lot of people do win. That's a big fallacy. The feds got such a high conviction rate because they indict 20 people on a case. One fights it, but the others are all either ratted or took plea deals. So they got 19 out of 20 convictions, even if the one guy won it. That's why they have a high conviction well, rate. Well, they also have a high conviction rate because they select their cases. You know, if there are lots of cases that have concurrent jurisdiction between the state and the federal court. Bank robbery is one of those. Mine. Crime, it, Hobbs Act, record so, but. Uh, and as a felony division chief at the state attorney's office, I sometimes tried to interest the feds in pursuing one of our state cases. And Why would you I, do that? I, I, because it, it would um, invite them to do it because it would conclude the case for us. If they would <laughs> you want to get rid of the case? That doesn't sound too good. they would do that. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. But, this is the but, truth. So. But, yeah, um, no, the real deal. But also, it is something with that can be within their jurisdiction if they elect it to be. So I think it was it was professional and appropriate that they be apprised of that that what an opportunity if they choose to to do it. Now I will tell you, I never successfully did that once. But I can they, tell you why they, they they wanted they wanted six confessions. They wanted they wanted fingerprints. They wanted videotapes. They wanted they want everything. 
on a silver platter. They basically want a conviction, just hand it to them. They, they really did. Right. And so I was, uh, they, we, we pursued and successfully prosecuted a lot of the cases that they declined. Well, you know, see, that's again, I'm, I'm going to get into our broken legal system. We won't do that yet. I mean, because we know, I believe a, a whole uh, criminal justice system is broke. I really do. And I'll tell you why. In its entirety, like, A yes, to Z? Yes. It almost needs to be taken down to its roots. Really does. I think the structure is great. But I think, I think, I don't think a public defender's office should not have the resources that a prosecutor's office has. Because if you're a public defender, you're, you don't have money. It's a money game. If you have a lot of money, you get the best lawyers, you can hire the best investigators, you can hire the best uh, psychologists, everything that goes along with that, as, uh, you know, uh, expert witnesses and stuff. The public defender's office cannot do that. They don't have the funds to do that. Right. So what happens is when the prosecutor can put everything they want on it and do whatever they want without really a budget, the public defenders, they have so many cases and they can't. And, and it's, a, it's a broken system. Put it this way, they should have a, a money or a legal system where whatever the f- state or feds spend on a case, they have to either give that person that money to make it a le- level playing field. I'm getting the feeling that... Well, he don't like that. No. Well, we were talking about a level playing field. The state has a high burden of proof. It to prove the case beyond and to the exclusion of every reasonable doubt. And so they are given... Do you really believe that? Yes. I'll tell you why I don't. Look at this county. William Dredge, William Dillon. I can go on to cases that were that is that's. I'm just telling you, this is the legal standard that they have. Oh, okay, to, okay. They have okay. to ha- adhere to. Now, what is the obligation with respect to the defendant? The defendant has an obligation, the uh, entitlement, excuse me, under the law, to counsel, to meaningful, effective counsel. Rights in the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution. I won more cases on ineffective assistance of counsel than you could count. <laughs> so, so, so. But, but you appreciate it may not require the same resources to fulfill his entitlement as it would for the state to have a meaningful um, prosecution of the case. I could believe that before trial. I could believe what you just said before trial. Now, because a lot of cases are done, they do the investigation, they have to do that. And that's where the money, I get that. Once it goes to trial, where they have to have a, le- they should have a legal, uh, a level playing field at trial. The federal government will fly an F-16 with a witness from California to Florida for two hours. Can the defense do that? No. You talk about that a lot. It's very, very interesting to me to think of the resources that they have in order to get you if they absolutely needed it. That's why John Gotti went down. I, I, I don't care. It's not, listen, what I about a very and- rich county? Rich, a very rich county. Well, it doesn't matter. The rich, they're rich, maybe because the prosecutor's offices in with the businesses and right. people so, want them. So the guys at Surfside, if they were, if they really wanted to get a conviction here, couldn't they spend extra government money to go and get it done, a- just like the feds would? Absolutely. So, so you, it does, it does happen uh, in like counties too. It doesn't only happen in federal level. No, it, it can happen anywhere. That's why I said the system here. My my, my system, why it's broke is first of all, we we have a lot of areas in this country let's say that are poor now you got to remember how politics works and everything if you really want to get deep into it because what's your main goal of a community it's to keep it safe you would hope it is now there's a number of ways and beliefs in how it's done you could have a sheriff that wants to law and order and i'll fuck them lock them up period and they lock up a guy with a half a gram of marijuana you know or whatever it is 
And then you could have another county, California, we saw what's going on there. They don't want to do anything and they got homeless and they got, so it's a balance. Until the community starts saying, wait a minute, we got to need, we need more balance. But you're, they're letting politicians and police chiefs and stuff, instead of getting a more. Now they've come out with the uh, federal, uh, the confiscation laws and the, uh, oh geez, I just went over this, the number for uh, uh, how they have to use confiscation funds. There's a law, they have to, a city has to use 25% of their confiscation, federal confiscation funds to community policing. Have to. They can't buy new police cars with it. They can't buy guns and badges. Define community policing. Ah, that's where you're going to get into a, a thing. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, Larry was honored by a, uh, a police department. Oh, in, right, he's I'm an honorary police you, officer. Wait a minute. I'm an honorary police officer. And, and in fact, Judge Silverman flew out to Missouri. Was that some spectacle? And I, Lake St. Louis. And, and Judge Silverman spoke at that Well, and part, part of the reason I, I was mentioning that is that they have a very low crime rate in that community, and they have a real rapport between the police and the, the population. I mean, they get there's an exchange of information all the time. They know about crimes before they happen. That's oh. why I said community policing. And you, know, you remember Chief Force, was the, he's my mentor in that. And what, to this day, we're good friends. And the new chief, you remember Chris DiGiuseppe, he's been the chief too now. Uh, we're all good friends. Uh, and matter of fact, I taught at the police academy. Mm-hmm. But uh, you and I, I, I got to go to work. They all went somewhere to go eat pizza or something with uh, down at uh, wherever it was in St. Louis. Larry doesn't miss a pizza. I know, fuck. <laughs> but anyway, well, you remember that? Do you remember that? And anyway, what I was saying is, what Judge Silverman is, see, I, I, I'm a big believer in the communities have to want what they want. You want to live in a scumbag community, Okay, live in a scumbag community and then don't expect certain things. But now, when I talk to... You don't get to choose where you live. Oh, yes, the majority, you do. No, for, for 90% of people in this country, moving is out of, out of the question. You well, don't have the money, you don't have the yeah, resources. We, we talked about that freedom. That's afraid really, of the change, you know, there's so many different... Yeah, but, the, but my point is there is a choice. I mean, you want to work harder to move up to that next level sure, so that community sure. can work. And people don't get that. We you have know, that ability in this country, for sure. At I least with the that. ability, whether it's you know real, real or not, I don't know. Right. But when I look at law enforcement, not, and we're not, we're not on law enforcement, because Judge Silverman and I uh, talk about this all the time. I'm a believer in law and order. There's no question. I, I'm not, I often tell people that I was in prison with people who should never be out of prison, ever. They'll fucking kill their neighbor in the fucking 20 minutes. I mean, they're fucking crazy. They're psychopaths or whatever. Now, those guys are true career criminals. And there has to be a place for them. And it has to, we have to have a system of justice. But there's a lot of guys like me who were in there. And, and I was a bad guy. We're going to get into that in the book. And uh, I'm not proud of those days. But I was who I was. And I, I, again, I think our past makes us who we are in the future. But as I was talking with the, the communities... I think Judge Silverman and I are on the same page with fixing the system where it's more more equally balanced. When you were working with the, it's uh, a good question. When you were working with the public defender's mm-hmm. office with capital crimes, mm-hmm. did you have a budget? Oh yes. Well, so you we had couldn't. Let me say this: the the office has a budget. Now, occasionally you will have. Uh, a need for a particular cost request. You'll want an expert. You'll want some other uh, in investigation. And so it has to be uh, evaluated by the 
typically by the public defender or his chief assistant. It, and so they're weighing it. Well, Larry, see, they, against, against all the other requests that they have for, for the, the, in the money that they have. So, don't you see the problem with that right there? Think of what you just said. Oh, we don't have the money to get the good expert. We'll just get the guy that, ah, he's in our budget. That's not what the feds do. That's not what, uh, I don't think the state attorney Would you does. agree with that? Would you agree that the feds don't do that? Oh, I know they don't. Well, well here's the I'll, thing. I, I want to hear it from you, a judge. I'll, I'll tell you, I think that the state attorney does. I think that they have some limitations. I'll, I'll tell you, my impression of the federal government, the federal prosecutions, the the. The, the, con- the, country, the country could collapse, and the federal prosecution will go forward. That's my US impression. Attorney, yeah. My impression, because they are they are so dedicated to this, there is nothing more important and nothing that they can't accomplish in terms of their prosecutions. And but I'm why best- is that? Is what you say? Because is it they don't have any any roadblocks? You know what I used to say when I was a criminal. I never gave a fuck about these states and these these local police departments, because quite honestly, judge. They didn't have the resources to find me, to get me, to follow me, to, to put a team on me like the federal government eventually did. They don't have those kind of resources. They have X amount of detectives. They do two detectives, and he's got other cases, and another murder comes in or whatever comes in. They don't have unlimited people. The federal government, when they want the insurance companies hated me, <laughs> when they said, hey, we want this guy. I mean, this guy's killing us. Federal government says, uh-oh, because... I don't know who it was, but maybe it was one of these organizations that have the politicians in their pocket and say, listen, we need this guy. We need this guy. My, no. I, I don't agree with a lot of this. I know, I know, I know, I know this. And, and, well, well, what don't you agree with? Some, some organization that has... I'm talking about the Jewelers Mutual Insurance Companies. First of all, I, I think you will say insurance companies run this it's world. It's naive to say that they don't have lobbyists that are of pushing course. some sort of, course, of legal of course action. They have lobbyists. That are pushing some sort of legal action for people who are robbing jewelry stores. You know, the jewelry store owners don't give a shit. As far as they're concerned, everything just sold for retail. <laughs> exactly. You're damn right. It's easy. He's right. I mean, in fact, Judge, it was hard for them to find people to come talk bad about me because I didn't hurt people in robberies. It was like, okay. Why am I going to do that? He was—he didn't hurt anybody. I got—I got one point two million. How much did I rob? Eight hundred thousand. Right. And you know every because it, I was told, uh, Judge, by by Matt um, uh, Mullen, who's his, his FBI agent, was a nice guy. He <laughs> says, he says, Larry, he says, you got one point two million at that store. I said, what? No, that store. I think it, I don't know what store is Maryland. I think it was. And he says. I, he goes, yeah, they got a claim for one point. I laughed, and he laughed. I go, I got about eight hundred thousand, and he goes, <laughs> meaning they know that that guy put in one point two million. Know. Sure, they of know. course they yeah. did. Now, and I'm not knocking anyone. I'm not here to say anything's wrong or shit. The system is what it is. Well, I'll, I'll, but if you are being naive, if you don't think there's people that can put pressure on that U.S. attorney or the state attorney or the whoever it is. To do something. Larry, I'll agree with it to the following extent. Judges in most states are elected at some, in some fashion. Okay? Here in Florida, the, the trial court level judges, county court and circuit court, are elected. Even if they're appointed, they have to stand for election. Uh, every at, six years. Every, you know, after you're appointed, two years. No, I, I'm not appointed. But I mean, then the, uh, the term, term is six, term term is six, is six, six years. years. 
but and and they're even they're elected also on a merit retention voting uh, the uh, with respect to the but appellate the court, court and, this, and oh. the uh, credit in the Florida Supreme Court. So what? Now we haven't seen this in Florida, to my knowledge. But what they've done in other states, where some powerful, influential lobbying group is opposed to some judge who is authoring opinions adverse to their position. Insurance they, companies, they, they, they can, they can uh, funnel a, a unlimited amount of dark money, not saying where it came from, to PACs. Dark to, money. Not to, yeah. not to the uh, candidates' campaign themselves, but to some political action committee that supports their position. Now, almost, well, that was all passed by the Supreme Court. You remember uh, that? It, the, this is this is lawful. I'm not, I'm not saying something that they're doing something illegal. It's not under the hand. You're under, saying under lawful or awful? It is lawful. Okay, so all right. Is, and so, almost all of this money results in negative advertising. They 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 say basically. I, I've I've looked into this a bit because I've presented uh, to some classes at the Eastern, Eastern Florida State College on this like uh, I do. selection <laughs> of, of judges. Um, they, t- they say two things about a judge. They say either the judge is on the take or they're soft on crime or both. They have a, they have a daily and, double. And, and they a, might not say that outwardly. The campaign ads are, are fierce. And remember, the PAC is not under the same obligation as the campaign. The campaign cannot, is, bound, is, bound the by, is bound by the canons of ethics that prohibit them from misrepresenting this. The PAC is just run by... By somebody who has an agenda. It's just a commercial. About this. So, I mean, I, I, I think that is, in, I agree with it to that extent. But this can significantly affect our... Money the, affects everything. This, I mean, that's, anybody who says it doesn't is fucking naive. You know, that, that, that brings me to a point. Have you ever been bribed? Ah, okay. you, you <laughs> it's on my notes. I, 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 it is. No, it is. I, this, I know that this is a question you, you had. You, oh, I you, did. He you, sent me a list. <laughs> yes. Have I, you ever, I, I'm in county court. I'm a county court judge. Okay? Right. Right. The, the bribe would exceed the fine. <laughs> but, but wait a minute. I got to stop you. Right. Before you even. I'm going to let my audience know. He's downplaying his. his first of all, his intelligence. And I'm not just sitting here because you're crossing me. You know, I say it before or not. Your intelligence has brought you to have circuit court judges who've been circuit court judges for 20 years trust you with their docket. And now you sit, You have sat on murder cases. You've sat on major robbery cases, major felonies. So don't just say, I'm All a right. county court judge. Ben, Ben's, to, to answer your question oh, you more precisely. He, he didn't right. come to me. To answer the question... Before someone would offer a bribe to a judge, they would need to know that the judge is susceptible. Sure. Okay. You're, you're although, talking although, to a professional guy who had a mayor, so, had a politician. So when I, when I first began, I was first licensed in Chicago. Okay. And where, that's where I grew up and that's where I went to law school. My father had been a lawyer there. And in those days, the bailiffs controlled access to the circuit judges there. And so one time I went to a, uh, a judge and I, I was a new lawyer. I had some document, that some, some brief or some memoranda that I wanted to put before the judge. And so I talked to the bailiff. I said, um, is, is the judge free? They said, no, but he's reasonable. 
<laughs> that is great. Now, now, the, that the, was great. Is that great? Okay, but but the, the, that was good. The point of this is, and then he kind of looks at you. Okay, if if because uh, they're all split net, the, right? Well, that's not really a. It's just something that he said. It doesn't. It doesn't indicate a willingness. Right, right. Well, these guys are legal you. experts. So, Come on. So, so then it depends on the response. I, I just I just want to get this in front of the judge. That's what I said. I just and so if if I had said. How reasonable. Right. Then, then, then the, we'd, it would have been a different conversation. Then the negotiation starts. So, so, so I'm just, I'm just <laughs> did saying. Did you pick up on it right away? You knew exactly no, what he meant I, when he I, said No, I did not. I, I just I just said, I, I was just trying to get access to sure. him. I just wanted to give him this document. I thought, you know, my, my with, the, with the enthusiasm of a brand new lawyer, I've got my brief here. If you just read this, he'll. Well, and he got uh, bullshitted through law school so, the whole so, time. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just saying that, that I didn't really pick up on it. And then. Then I realized, oh, that was that may have been an invitation. When did you that. when did you figure that out after, after the conversation? After, after, after I walked away, well, you know, I, the bailiff took my, my brief, and I, whether whether judge, judge never saw it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Never. He saw was it, reasonable. He, <laughs> he was reasonable, but he never saw it. Never <laughs> saw it. <laughs> but you I, know, it's funny what he says with that. Is, is you know, our whole system is like that in in one way or the other, and and I get it. And again, I said it earlier before the show. You know, I, I was in a shady part of life for a while. And we had cops. To say the least. <laughs> we had cops, mayors, uh, politi- other politicians, uh, police chiefs, uh, building code guys. We had everybody. We how, how did you get in? How do you start the conversation? Uh, uh, Are uh, you reasonable? No, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> we, they knew who we were. But I'll tell you what happens. It, most times you get to somebody, it's not with a money bribe. You know, I knew a couple of professional athletes. I'm not going to name their names. And they're very big names. And you'd know them. Right now, you'd know them and, and blop, drop your head. Well, and we got to have a little conversation after the show. Absolutely. And I asked him, I said, I'll give you a million dollars to throw this game. He says, I can't do it. He goes, I make too much. I make too much money. He goes, what am I going to lose my whole career, my contracts, everything else for that kind of money when I make a lot more than that? He goes, yeah, it's extra money. Yeah, it's cash. It doesn't mean anything. He goes, I, I couldn't do it. You couldn't pay me enough. And that was his actual words. Not, I wouldn't do it because everybody has a number, sure. you know? And, and, I, and I, did, I believe that to this day. And uh, how you get to these people or anybody is to a personal, you do drugs with them. You fuck whores with him. He's blowing the guy next to him. Whatever the fuck it is, he's doing, and and whatever it is, and that's okay. Look at look at <laughs> you guys watching this. If you when you guys got to see this when this show comes this up, this is why the YouTube channel is has to go. It has to be just for moments like these. What I'm getting at, and I'm not here. I know uh, Judge Silverman's character, and that's why we're for. First of all, today everybody knows I'm I'm a legit dude. I have fun. I, I do, I'm not a perfect man by any stretch of anybody's imagination, but I'm not going to do something to put myself in jail. You know, listen, if you catch drugs in my life, I got a kill in this car. I guarantee you that was placed. Some cop or somebody put that in. And don't think that's out of hand. It happened down right here in Palm Bay. The cop pulled over the politician. You know about that. And, it, and he was supposed to put drugs in the car for the, it is an already case. But that's all in a legal document. I, I, Okay, well, it's, it's legal documents. How's that? And I read the whole case, the whole federal case. So anyway, my point to you is 
that's not how. So bribery is not a money thing all the time. It's usually a, 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 a and back. Most politicians who have to get who get persuaded to go one way or the other. <laughs> I had a. I'm not going to tell you who it is. David will know. Uh, Judge Silverman will know. He was there when it happened. I had a, pol- a, 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 a powerful person here in law enforcement say to me, pull me over, he says, come here, I want to talk to you. Now, we're, we're on different levels. We have different political views. And the reason we had different political views, because I, I supported him, but then when I asked him to fix the jail, went the opposite way. You know what I mean? It was just a bullshit to get me in it. Anyway, he goes, I don't want you to write any more articles. I, I got something on you. And he told me this, and I'm like, you know, you know what you, you I know. know exa- I know exactly what I you're talking about. I wasn't present for any of that. You, uh, you know where it happened? Yes, you were. Well, here's it was at your wife, uh, your wife's church. What I was speaking, and he was speaking. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't hear any. No, of no, no. You were, up, but you remember pulled aside. Yeah. Okay, I was pulled aside, and he's, and, and it was about my masturbation in prison. You know, I sued oh, the federal system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that meant something to me. You know, you didn't talk about that in church, did you? Oh, I will. <laughs> no. Just imagine that wouldn't no. be the right conversation. Look, look at him. Look at, yeah. no, what as far ha- as stories go. No, no, Judge, what happened was he thought he had something over me to keep me in control, if you want to call it that. And you know me, Benz. I don't give a fuck about anything. And plus, you don't break the law, so. And, and I don't. But, but listen, don't think that they wouldn't. I had a very good look at him. He's going to talk about the system. I'll give you a great a story with Judge Silverman. I, w- I was at a prison... Uh, about two years, and I ended up going to a lunch with Judge Silverman and one of my dearest friends in this life is Joe Fermini. And I can tell you where we were. Rest in peace. Yes, that's my buddy. Joe and uh, we were at a, a, a steak, a Japanese steakhouse over on uh, Wickham Road near the Home Depot Plaza. Mm-hmm. What's that place? Fujiyama's. Fujiyama's. I've been so there. So we're at Fujiyama's and Judge Silverman and I, I was out two and a half years because I had about six months left on my, on my paper. Right. And Judge Silverman and Joe were telling me, because I was starting to drink and live life a little bit. And they both get me in it together. Now, I respect these two men very much. There were, I will listen. There's some people I was like, oh, fuck this, I won't talk to them. Obviously, I respect Judge Silverman and Joe, obviously respect. So I'll listen. Other people back in my day, I wouldn't have listened two seconds. And they said to me, Larry... Be careful. You know they're looking for you, meaning to mess up. You said that. Well, Do you remember the situation? I, here's what I here, explain. Here's it. my recollection. Okay, probation officers view people differently than than they than who <laughs> than everybody else. <laughs> they, they, from their perspective, Larry belongs back in prison. From their perspective, Larry from belongs back in prison. For, yes. From their perspective, his his rehabilitation they can consider it. They don't they don't have to accept it at face value. You're this, welcome to like this whole on. this whole thing's a scam. So they're looking to see how this is uh, to see when he's going to screw up here. That's their job, so right? I mean, they're, they're looking and for the, people the to fuck up. Uh, probation officers don't play. Okay? <laughs> so Larry's sitting there and he's, he's, he's talking to us and he, he's got permission to go back to New York and he's, he's who he's going to visit there and what he's going to do and he says uh, Billy. As, as I ten, itinerary and he says he's also got tickets for a Nets game and he's going to see that. Okay, the Nets play in New Jersey. 
Okay. And you need That's permission to go to correct. New York. And you right. need you need permission separately to go to New Jersey if you're going to do that. Sure. And Larry was didn't didn't seem to really give a he shit. Was, he was he was just gonna go. <laughs> no, no. You, you know you need to really be careful. And I, I I you know I had gotten to like Larry Lawton, and I gotten to admire. His, I hope you still do his, the way you, I got. No, I, no, like no I was I'm, dead. I, I'm saying he I'm gained gonna, it then, and he still I'm has it. I'm, oh. I'm <laughs> saying I just wanted didn't want to see him screw up. Sure. Uh, even inadvertently. Um, and get risk running a, a violation of probation where they might actually achieve getting him back in for the balance of his sentence. Right. Yeah, it's called so, VOP, violation of probation. And the feds, like he said, don't play. So, and, and what I was getting at, you guys gave me a great lecture, and I, I, I remember it to this day. And it was, and it was did not you go just to the that. Nets game? Of course. Did you tell your probation officer of about it? Of course not. No, no, I, I, I did not. No, in fact, in fact, no, in fact, I did not. I appreciate I, everything that you said, but I took none of it into consideration. <laughs> is what he's saying. <laughs> that is not true. Now, now, now right. Ben's is only joking. Sure, I totally yeah. did, and matter of fact, I to this day, I'm the only person on Fire Island, New York, to have to have a permission slip to go there. Billy talks about it. Talks about all Billy Casera talked my buddy. I love Billy. He tells the story of, of he's about to meet this guy. You know, he he knows him a little bit, and then uh, a, a, a paperwork shows up. No, no, no. I knew he knew me already. We did a show together, and right. Uh, but he didn't he didn't know you well. Not like you guys know each other now. No, he knew my past. Totally right. knew everything about that. No, no, no. He knew that because Fire Island was known for people go there and there was murder there and there's a lot of stuff that oh. happened there. Uh, that like a person disappears, then it was a witness guy that something happened there, whatever. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's on the island. It's known, but Fire Island is a very exclusive place. In if you like that, yeah. he's smelling a good cigar. It, it is a very good cigar. I'm surprised up, you, can, you haven't lit it up. But. Yeah, and and you know, if we were in California, you know what they did to me? What do you need? Uh, my pen. Oh, right here. Yeah, he's gonna steal that one. I think you stole it. I, I, I wouldn't. If I did, I'd tell you. I don't think it'd be that big of a deal if I told you I took it. If I did, no, I put it, put it, it down. It wouldn't be because I got new ones when I went to... Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. Fucking Larry. Uh, it's legal for me. I have a legal license. Same. Anyway, in California, mm-hmm. when I sat at podcasts, this is what they do to you. They push two joints this big over you. This is for you. That joint, you smoke weed all during the show. They don't mess look around. At, look at his face. They his don't mess face. around. Hey, Ben, his, I hope this is this. Now, is Larry smokes, but these guys, not only do they have the best of the best, uh, Judge, they also have, you know, it's legal. So so they have. They, not, is it legal there? Uh, not yes. federally, but it is legal no, no, for recreational use federally. from a state perspective. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You didn't know legal. that about California? Yeah, California. I think they, they, they were one of the state. first. No, no, no. Colorado. The the oh yeah Colorado Colorado, Colorado. Yeah. they weren't for the, then after Colorado I think it was Oregon and then uh, Washington, Washington State and right. uh, Alaska no I mean but they were they they, they were in California the was in the in the forefront of legalizing marijuana for medical at least I remember that uh, maybe medical yeah uh, but there's like thirteen or fourteen states that are fully legal now. right Massachusetts like, yeah uh, Florida uh, coming Hawaii Alaska. Florida it's legal for medical purposes yeah. right but there's there's limitations on that for example if you are an employee. You can be your can be terminated from your employment solely for as a result of having a medical marijuana card. You could what? You can yeah. be terminated from your employment just for having it the card. A, it is a level of discrimination that is lawful into the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Point. Yeah, 
That's a medicine now. They already deemed it to be a medical necessity. I know, but it's it's a trade-off, right? There's a provision of the statute that provides that this does not create any any such action. So you can't sue them for getting fired, like 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 if you were gay or if you were black or something of that nature. Wow, I did not know that. How do you how do you feel about that law? There's a uh, there's been efforts to change that. There's been a legislator, I've forgotten his name, who's repeatedly introduced um, legislation so at least public employees would have the ability to hold a medical marijuana card without fear of termination, um, retaliation. Of retaliation. You don't, you don't know, Vance, how many people are being inhibited from getting that kind of drug um, by virtue of that sort of fear. It, it's federally, too, you know, because it's not yes, federally that's, that's legal. Yes, that's the point, is that it is, if it was... Florida is home for so many federal companies, you know, companies that are, that are involved in um, government contracts. No taxes. <laughs> <laughs> or that. Well, I mean, that's why all these companies come here, sure, for the, tax, uh, for the cut in taxes, but, you know, there, there's a, a lot of government contracts around here. Of and course, and yeah. because Northern there's a government, all that kind of stuff, and that's just in our area, but it, it exists all over Florida because we've got nothing but land and we've got no state taxes. So, what happens is a lot of these companies that have federal connections cannot cannot have employees who are smoking weed because federally it is still illegal. That's you know that's you know, the point, right? You know, Ben uh, and, and Judge, I'm I'm a very big believer in. I don't want my pilot to smoke weed. I don't want my bus driver or whatever. Somebody that's running something that's important. But do you think I give a shit that that construction worker or that mailman or that whoever the hell it is? I don't want him drinking either right. on the job. Drink is worse to me. And that's I still my believe point. that. Anybody who goes against me with marijuana, I sit down and I debate them all the time. And I ask them one question. What do you think drug is first used by youth? alcohol 78 percent of all kids start i think that's changing a little bit but think, you're right that last time i bet it's even got higher alcohol is still mega with young people. oh it's huge mega mega these kids that they, they take lean to school they you know a bunch of stuff i can get into the drug end of it but what has happened uh judge is that you can look up all the statistics you want and you can't tell me that alcohol is better uh, is better than or marijuana isn't better than alcohol. It is better than alcohol. In any way, statistically, you could look at it. Anyway, whether it's money from accidents, whether it's cost of medical, you know, total medical, whether it's future health, whether it's uh, uh, violence. Um, you, don't see, you see a guy on marijuana, he don't get violent. He goes and sleeps somewhere. You see a guy on alcohol, he, has, he eats. He eats. He eats. <laughs> He's good for the economy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Larry... A couple thoughts. I agree with you that you don't want somebody, as they're providing you a service, your doctor, your lawyer, your juror, smoke marijuana. Your what? Your juror. Your juror. Your juror. <laughs> your juror. He, he's wow. saying it correctly. We're not used to that. Okay. No. <laughs> but, but, but exactly. You don't, you don't want them to be under the influence of cannabis at the time they're, they're doing that. Now, or having, anything for that you, matter. You know, you Correct. Know. And, but having a medical marijuana card does not mean that. Exactly. And so, so the, the issue comes is whether or not, I, I mean, you could, you could terminate somebody for their actions legitimately on the, on the 
on the job site right. when they're, if they're under the influence of that. They're not performing but, but, if this, if that, right. But is, the question is whether or not just having the card is sufficient for a basis for discrimination. Right. Well, I mean, you're going deeper. I, I'm, I, I would debate you, and I know marijuana people, and I know people in this room who smoke every day. Both of us. <laughs> I, I, I'll but I will tell you something, uh, Judge, and I believe this. You just said something to me. Oh, I wouldn't want my juror on marijuana. I don't know about that. Can you tell a guy not to have a drink at lunch if he's a juror? We, we have told them. So if I'm on a juror, I can't, have a, I can't go have a some, beer at lunch? I, some judges tell, I know this. Some judges, I'm asking the law. They can't come back under the influence. Uh, 100%. 100%. But, but a beer. Because some, some judges are so concerned about the potential that somebody will exceed that, they prohibit them entirely during the course of the trial. And I understand that. Do you know that's a good way to actually how do you, win, win How do you actually prohibit them from having a glass of wine at lunch? Well, if, if you, first of all, if you're sequestered, that can be done easily. I think the difference between alcohol and, and marijuana in this is that the conception about cannabis that we live with for so long. I mean, you remember the, the, the public relations ad the, that had the, 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 the eggs cracking and the good yeah, 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 the, Oh, yeah, yeah. Nancy this Reagan your, stuff. You're talking about your, the 80s. This is your brain on, on drugs. Yeah. I so, saw so, that in school in like a social studies class. Yeah, oh, no, yeah social studies. <laughs> okay. Well, we saw it legit. <laughs> but, but you see how it starts out with, with this residual feeling that people have about this. And so... But that has changed. We it, know it is, it's getting there. It, it's it, getting there. I tell you, it's, it is. I think it's hard to change people's percep- perception. I, I disagree. That. My mother, who's eighty nine, says, "So what? Let him smoke marijuana." Eighty nine. She's seen a couple things in her life. She had two kids who went to federal prison. You know, I mean, she she's been through a, a little bit. Little people bit. Well, people I, live a very mundane church to, to to school to work to home to you but, know. But it should have that been, was a lighter. Yeah. It should be more. Candid. It wasn't gunshots yet. There, there, the public service advertisement should be more candid. Sure. If we start out with some, let me ask you a question. Now, if we're deceiving the public, right, we're not right. doing anybody well, a favor. If we, I saw one not too long ago, which I thought was was better. It it said. I smoked a joint last night, and I didn't become addicted to heroin. I didn't have some horrible accident. I spent eleven hours on Pete's couch. <laughs> so, but I think and I ate a whole sixteen-inch pizza. <laughs> I, I think it, oh. it's, it's con, it conveyed that you're apt to be a loser if you smoke just too much. So I think it was it was a more candid approach. To this, and when we reach that point in our debate, when our national discourse about this, I think that's when you'll see a, a, a better informed uh, policy. Well, I, I'm going to go against you here because, first of all, I think the last numbers were 77% of the whole country wants legalized marijuana everywhere. And federally is the, the big holdup right now. Because if it's not federally legal, they can't use credit cards. 77%. What a fucking number. And, and still, federally, no, it is I'm, illegal. Larry, you're not, I'm not, what I'm saying is this. How, are we gonna, how would you change people's minds about this? Uh, okay. I think they're changing themselves. Less time will always change things because Ben's is the next. I, I'm a baby boomer. You're a baby boomer. You know, we're, we're close. You're, you're a lot older than me or a little? 
I'm a lot, I, I, it depends on age. Depends as on get, who you as ask. get older, differences in age become. <laughs> I agree with that. I got as much whole. I know that better than most, by the way, Judge, because uh, my best friends are 50, 60, yeah. and 70 years old. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I always did that too, Joe and myself and Louie and you. I remember Louie. Two of my best friends passed away. But the uh, my thing is, t- time is going to change everything. Just like time is changing TV. Uh, people don't realize this. Media in general is media, changing. Media, it's done. It's done. You know, the reason Live Golf is going to make it is because they, they showed their first Live event in 150 countries for free on YouTube. I didn't even know that. And it was easy to watch. Put it right up on the screen. Everywhere I was, it was done. And advertisers are going to start seeing people wanting that. And then now, do you think they want to put advertisements? Because who is your target audience? I'm a businessman. I'll know these answers. Who's your target audience when you want to sell something? It sure isn't my mother. It sure isn't you or your wife or even me or Teresa. It's Ben's. It's my son. It's Darian. It's men. 18 to 44 are your biggest advertising target market. They're consumers by nature. And spend. Right. You could be a consumer and not spend. That's true. And women could be consumers, but where do they get the money? From the men. So they have to justify things. I mean, there's a market for everything. However, however, there is a huge market. Exactly. Like you said, there is. and, And I just want to clear this up real quick. There are women earners on a different level today than ever before. Uh, yeah. So these statistics are changing. They're part of this still, evolving. And it's still not equal, though. Right. Well, it's still not equal, and it should be. No, it's not. You know, I look back at the change in this world, and first of all, I want to wish everybody a happy Juneteenth. It, it, happy it's, June. Oh, yeah. It, and it's a celebration of, of slavery uh, going away. It's a federal holiday now. It is for... a federal holiday today. That's why we have to judge, even though he's a county court judge. But he's out of work. I don't know why about that, but... No, he's ordering all his people, get here. No, he's not doing that, obviously. Uh, my point was uh, with the marijuana, just getting back on it. I want to bring a few questions to you, okay? Because uh, this is what my audience wants to know. My audience, knowing your audience, is probably 16 to 40, right, you'd say? Although we're when an 18 and number, over platform, we, we bleed into the 16. Of for course sure. we do, obviously. I love that. All our friends mess with me about that. Oh, oh, you just sold to kids, Larry. You sold to... My point to you is this, uh, uh, Judge, is... uh, What was I saying? The question. You had questions for a marijuana related. Oh, yes, yes. Because of my audience is the same. Hashtag never forget. Well, give me that pen. (laughs) This is what marijuana does to you. (laughs) This is what it does to your brain. This is your brain before. Good questions, Judge. This is brain after. Uh, What what? was I saying? (laughs) I sounded like meth head Mike. (laughs) Uh, judge, uh, shout out. No, these are questions that yeah, you can you can like that again, Judge. You have a lighter day. You know, I do. It's not. Go ahead, go ahead. We're talking cigars now. We're talking cigars. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Because uh, this is what my guys want to know. You are a judge that would see if they are driving. If a young person is driving, and he has some cops a, a jerk off or whatever it is. Let's leave that aside. And he comes into your courtroom and he has got caught with uh, an ounce of marijuana. What do you do? Yeah, this brings us to a really interesting point. And I, I don't know whether Larry had engineered this here. <laughs> he did. But the, <laughs> the state has difficulty, in my experience, in establishing DUI for people who are under the influence of, of controlled Gosh. substances when they do not provide either a blood test or a, um, a urine sample. 
So what? Uh, what we're going to get into that right now. Go okay. Ahead. What we were, what happened with my experience as a as a county judge, is that a case came before me where the uh, the police presented me with a warrant for the extraction of blood in, in that's a where case we were going where the defendant had been had refused uh, any any chemical test. So that means I, breathalyzer the, or bre- breathalyzer breath- or what? What else or, is on no the street? No blood test. No blood. They used uh, to be able to pull blood right so, there on the scene. No, no. They have to take they, you to a facility. So, so what they did is they let, let him tell. I I went ahead and I I signed the warrant, and the case um, was uh, set to be appealed. In other words, I, I it came before me as well. There was a motion to suppress this, saying the warrant was, wasn't valid. This shouldn't be. This is an invasion of privacy in a, in a DUI case. And so the, it, it was turned out to be my case. Well, I'm just going to stop the audience. How a case works when it's appealed, it goes to the, first the judge who did it, then it goes to the circuit court. It, in those days, it went to the circuit court. Now it goes to the district court of appeal. Oh, it goes straight. They, they have oh, changed, okay, they, they changed. changed it. There you go. I just learned so, something. So and then it goes to the Florida State. Supreme Court, Correct. and then if you want to go to the federal level, it, you can. It, You're it, not going right. on that, but right. you can. You can. You can try. Yeah. Well, I so started. you get the warrant. So I, so I, I was, I, I got, I issued the warrant. They extracted the blood. It was a high blood alcohol. I know the attorney. So then the. Uh, um, now tell them who debated you on this. Well, I, how quickly I, does okay, this make the happen? finish. So the case came before me, and I. Went into an extensive analysis. It took me, oh, I know more than ten pages to and, and to uh, analyze whether or not such a warrant would be lawful. And I, I had arguments from both sides, and I found that it was. Now, there was an attorney; they were going to appeal this ruling. I knew that. I expected it. That's which is all right. Which is is, is oh, part you, of part you of don't our, hate somebody or dislike him at all. Part of our system. So. Um, but the attorney was unable to appeal it. He didn't make the time frames properly for filing an appeal. It was jurisdictional, and he missed the notice of appeal. Um, and it was set up for, to be, to, to, for him to be able to do that. It, it has to be a dispositive issue, and they stipulated that it was, and this could be appealed. So then... He really bad believed, lawyering. He, no, he believed in this. I mean, this happens. Yes, I know, but you should know your time frame. I, so, I did the law. So, so my my order began being picked up in other places, in Sarasota and Pensacola. There were judges who were entering, uh, who were approving these warrants based for the on your case. Blood and citing my talk order. Talk about intrusion. So, so anyway, this lawyer. He's a good lawyer, and so he felt strongly about this. He argued with me at every bar conference like me. About, about this, like about me, this, as did Larry. And so, <laughs> so, so, so I, uh, I was rethinking it when he finally got a case. He took he was taking cases free or cheap to be able to get this issue back up to the appellate court, where he he felt he was confident he was confident about prevailing. And I, by the time he he finally found one. It was coincidentally another one of my cases that went was was up there with the the uh, having gone up through the circuit court level and now is up to the district court of appeal, and so Larry and I were debating about how this would be, and Larry had a sense of this, which was very good, and I'll tell you what that was. 
the greater the intrusion, as Larry just put it, the, the greater the crime really has to be. Okay, you have to justify that greater intrusion by some societal benefit that, that, that's being received. There's a balancing test in the Fourth Amendment. And so Larry said there's going to be, you have to have at least one prior DUI for this to, to happen. So without going into all the legal analysis, the, the, I, I said I, I was justified in just doing it without that. We debated this a lot. And so it was it, the ultimate decision by the Fifth District Court of Appeal held that there needs to be at least two. Two? They yes. went above what I thought they would go. Wow. In order to qualify this as a felony before they would... Uh, to order. So now, I, their, their reasoning is a little different, but that was the result. The result, what happened... Interesting it, result. Yeah, well, the, the real result is what would happen is a guy would refuse a breathalyzer. The cop said, no, no, you're drunk. I'm refusing a breathalyzer. Well, obviously, it's hard to prove something when you have not, no tangible evidence except me saying you're drunk. Right. That is the tests and all that. But if you refuse everything, judge then would sign a warrant. They'd call him. And, and I watch them. I've been with the judge at nights at restaurants, and they come in, and they, you know, they need a warrant. Now, and they're going to run this guy from the scene of the accident to a place where they can draw their blood. Right. That, yes. I, there, there were specific protocols for them to do this safely and, and in a manner that would preserve a sample for the defense to test and to have a, a certified phlebotomist who okay. would do this. And so there, there were... There were things to... The big question is, is marijuana stays in your system for Well, weeks. no, no, no. But this, is about, this wasn't about marijuana at the point time. But it was about assuming, DUI. Well, was, well no, it was DUI alcohol. technically that isn't... It, driving under the influence, but at that point, they didn't have it. It wasn't legal. Right. Marijuana wasn't even clear legal, so that's not a legal stuff. Okay. Under the influence. I know there's a but, DWI, too. What's the uh, difference? Uh, one was driving while, and the other's... Uh, no, there's DWI, driving under the influence, and driving... Wh- driving while influence, right. and driving, driving under while the... intoxicated... It used to be a separate offense here. I'm not sure the status of it. It's called that in other places. Got it. Well, what happened with every law, and this is where guys like me who study the law and, and read law books and actually know what shepherdizing is. I, I know lawyers who don't know what that is. I really do, new lies. They're shepherdizing. The audience I, doesn't know. Well, it's when you go researching books, page, you follow a case to its inception, where it came from. You go back to, you know, when I did that in the law library, a judge will understand this. I would have 20 books on the table. 20 books all over the table. Going to this case, did this one go, oh yeah. And you find little things in cases. But what happened, what I don't think people understand is, the case got me upset in, in the fact that the police were starting to abuse it, in my opinion. And I, I watched them come to him on bullshit, and I don't know what it was, and we'd talk later or I hear it reading a page, on like, not an accident, not a... Now, obviously, if there's a death or a serious bodily injury, they can take blood. Sure. I mean, that's automatic. But they were doing it for... Uh, they don't need a warrant if there's a death or like a serious right. accident. right. Okay. Now, with, with, with Judge Silverman, they would just come, the guy refused, we need a warrant. It's almost as bad as them, and I think the law's changed. I'm going to ask the judge on this. See, let me tell you how the law works with, with police with a stop. First of all, if they, if they detain you for a certain amount of time, that can get the thing, because you can sue them now. That's, that's it, without any reason. And here's what they'll do. The cop will stop a guy and say, listen, I want to look in your car. No, you don't. I'm not letting you look in my car. That's my right. You do not have permission to search my car. I do well, not consent. I do not consent. I'm going to go get a dog. Go get whatever you want. They're on the clock. 
Now, they would get a warrant from a judge to just, okay, but I think judges, you tell me if I'm wrong, are changing a little bit. And let me give you why I mean that. A no-knock warrant or a, a warrant, let's just say, get a drug house. And I, I talked to some cops about this. Even they're, like, getting leery. They won't get a warrant at night unless there's a justifiable reason. When he gives a warrant now and he puts these, and they swear in front of him, they, he has to say to, he has to ask the questions because it's going to come back to him. Why did why they give him a warrant? Why did you need a warrant at three in the morning when you could have did that? Because it's dark, people are sleeping, and somebody's going to get startled, kill someone. Forget the right address or wrong address, even in a regular place. Why couldn't have you have done this at six in the morning, seven o'clock, people were up and whatever? Why do you need it at three in the morning? Now, there should be a, a good reason why they need a warrant at three in the morning or a no-knock warrant. No-knock, some states and some areas... Totally throughout, there's no such thing as a knock warrant anymore. I don't know how it is there, here. There's sometimes where the evidence is imminent to be destroyed or lost if they don't get the warrant immediately. Right. And that was their position in the DUI cases because the, the, uh, oh, the alcohol, alcohol the was eliminating from your system. And so they, they, they always took the position this is an imminent situation. And, and didn't you find that bullshit? I'm, I'm being honest. This is we were talking like two people at a desk. And listen, Dave, uh, Judge, I know, and I've been in your courtroom more than most people that aren't, you know, like real habitual offenders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I go in there and I sit with the judge. I know his clerks. I know his bailiffs, and I don't really call them bailiffs. They call court 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 deputies. Court deputies. I, I knew them all very personally. We'd go to lunch. We, you know, nice people. And, and I always saw your balance. I mean, you, and we're going to talk about that. And I want to ask about that, too. Oh, you know, Larry, you're talking about how the trend is toward legalization of marijuana, right? And legal, marijuana has different effects on different people. And so for some people, it may not affect them. They, it, the effects may not be apparent. So then the question would be, how then, without a drug test, and you're right, it, it, if, if it's only a urine test, it could be in your system for, for 30 time. days. Yeah. Well, if, without, a, without a blood test, how is the state going to establish beyond and to the exclusion of a reasonable doubt that you were under the influence of cannabis to the extent that your normal faculties were impaired? But you're now assuming this. See, that's wrong. You're letting them search for evidence when there might not have been evidence there to begin with. That's like pulling over every person and saying, you know what? Well, there has to be there has to be probable cause, that, and that's that was the standard. It's, it's the standard for the arrest, and it's the standard on the warrant. And they, what's the probable cause? Got, oh, I I saw that man swerving on Babcock Street. Well, there's you know Babcock looks like it was bombed by the fucking uh, uh, Russians or something. There's you know crazy people are trying out. to. Did, I know I do it. I try to I try to dodge the uh, potholes. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like I'm driving drunk sometimes when I do that. Now, obviously, a judge. Oh, he's only hearing what this deputy is swearing in front of him. They have to swear it. And the guy says, well, he's swerving. I got probable cause to stop him. Now, he didn't hear the other side of the point, but I get it. He gets well, the probable cause. Well, wait a minute. The stop is, stop is based on a lower standard. The stop is based on reasonable suspicion. Right. And then for the arrest, it needs probable cause. Right. Okay, the warrant needs probable cause. So well, that's where I'm going with the warrants. Okay. So you, you have to break that warrant down. You have to say to somebody... It, my always question is, when I, when I do law, even to this day, someone asks me a law question, I always put myself in the other position and try to fight my thing. You know? and, and this is when 
people even I do a business. You notice that when we're up in uh, Daytona. We sat down as what you know what think it through. I've learned this. Trust me, this is a learned behavior as a sixty-year-old man. You know, when I was young, it's let's fucking run through the wall. Now I think a little bit, and especially knowing the law the way I know it, and the Constitution the way I know it, I don't think our founders and the forefathers wanted our, our rights. And again, uh, uh, your home, your uh, searches, seizures, and uh, cruel and unusual punishment, freedom of speech, first, second, even a gun. Listen. I'm not all for guns, but you know what? That's a Second Amendment. Obviously, it's it, now you, how you determine it to interpret it is a big thing. But my point to you is, as a person, I'm not so trusting of a guy just because he's got a badge. See, maybe I'm jaded, and you can tell me if I am or not. I've seen a lot of corruption, and you know my past, Judge. You, I remember once you said to me, Larry, you've been through so much, and you know, not only you knew what everything, we're going to get that. You said, you, you told me this, and I'll never forget it. You said, uh, you know, some people have a right to be bitter. And I said to you, no. I said, I, that's bullshit, because that gives me an excuse then. <coughs> I tell people whether you were abused, whether you got the wrong end of the stick or wherever it is, you should learn from it and try to help somebody else and, and, and teach somebody. Don't become bitter, because then it keeps killing you for the rest of your life. Bitterness kills people. Now, what I meant by that is you... Uh, I, I look at the, the law in a different, really very basic law. I, I, I take it down and I break things down that deep. And that's why I go into the Code of Federal Regulations and I go into the Bureau of Prison Policies. And what I do, and I know them, because they all come off of a law, which comes original. A law is supposed to come off the Constitution. So if it's legal. And it's, it's more complicated today, Larry. Today? Because, yes. Why? Well, okay, look. The, the Constitution talks about... It doesn't use the word, but it, it creates a, a protection for your privacy. Okay, assume that to be the case. That's part of our Fourth Amendment jurisprudence. Okay, and there was when it began, that was fairly simple. You have a home; they can't be going into your home. Okay, I understand that. Now, what they're talking. Assume for the sake of argument, you've deleted your emails from, uh, from that were sent by you and to someone else, okay? But they are still preserved, aren't they, on some level by your internet service provider. So you've gone through, you've gone through a third party to issue those. So maybe you have given up that expectation of privacy by doing so. It is more complicated now than it was when you simply had a, had a home and a... A, a buggy. And a buggy, you know. Well, we've I, always had blood work that could tell you whether or not the person was drunk, even when they came up with the breathalyzer. Right. So, but so the, the, but the breathalyzer was designed to pre, to be uh, to, the, to avoid right. that level of intrusion. Well, let me ask you something, and in, 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 just about <coughs> that about the blood work, because this is, believe it or not, guys, this is all news to me. I did not know that they can take you to blood work. What if they the, can't? Now. What if the now, they can't now? Oh, you I have understand. to have two prior DUIs. So if you're out there. And you refuse a blood test. Uh, if, if a cop says, I'm taking a blood test, you can say, no. I'm, I, I don't know your state so, okay, or whatever's out there, I but in Florida, you have to have two prior, wait, D, 
DUI convictions, right. I think the words was. It, 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 Not even a charge, a conviction. What happens if the detainee is being unruly? You cannot poke their, you can't get blood out of them if they're not sitting still. Well, see, that was another protocol that I had in my in the warrants that I issued. What we're talking, Great question. What we're talking about is the difference between misdemeanors and felonies. If, there may be some convictions that uh, don't qualify as a, this, this instant charge as a felony, but if it does, and it can on two particular type of time-framed, uh, time-limited uh, convictions, then it, it, it would authorize that, that to be extracted. So your, your question, Ben's, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm listening to you. I was just... No, no, the, uh, the, the question is to... He's playing producer. Where this is, <laughs> where this is all really headed. And that's, that's what I think right. is, is interesting. So, because what's going to happen? Is the legislature going to react to this by putting in place as part of the law what I had said was not, what I had said was legal, was legal and which, which the appellate court said had not, but they did so under, under a very narrow conception of the, uh, the search warrant law. So I, I, I don't really quarrel. Do you do you think? Let me say. Let me finish. I don't really quarrel with their with their ruling, because because it fulfills that um, balancing test that we're talking about. It the the, the less the intrusion, you, you can't do it on just a DUI, but the greater the greater the potential crime. And this is now we have felony. Yes, then it would be authorized. And the so third DUI it, is a felony. It can be. On, yes. If the, if the if other ones are within a certain. Oh time. no, the ah. third third DUI is automatic felony. I think the fourth is, but the third it has to be within a certain amount of time. Oh, time. okay. Oh, I'm wow. sure. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny. He said that he doesn't qual. He did not like losing that debate to me. He talks about. It. We talk <laughs> well, about no, it. But, <laughs> all right. By the time. He's, by the he's, time. His quarrels are with the law. Yeah. <laughs> by the time I had uh, the appellate court opinion came out. I saw the sense of what they were doing, and so I could. I didn't, you knew the right. I, I didn't feel badly about it. Sure. I don't think that's another question we're going to get into right now because I have a lot. And we okay. Still, but, uh, how do you keep your person personal? Uh, how do you keep things separated? How do you? Uh, uh, how do you say? How, how well, would I put that? Uh, how, uh, how do I avoid taking it personal? Yes. How do you? There you go. You know. Okay, well. I, I can. Somebody uh, wrote that great question. <laughs> you, you know, I have a, I have a, an anecdote about that. Because uh, I was, I was a brand new prosecutor in nineteen, a brand new felony prosecutor in nineteen eighty three, and I had, uh, I was practicing before the Honorable Roger F. Dykes, who is he's passed away now, but he was one of the most forbidding, chilling personalities ever to sit on the circuit bench. Other people have. As well, and so I had been successful in a uh, in a prosecution against a church burglar. Okay, and so he was he was stealing from the the poor box there. Now there's different perspectives on this. Some people would say he was desecrating a house of God. He's uh, saying I'm poor. They were giving it to me. So, so, but that's not. But that shouldn't have anything so anyway, to do with the we're, law. We're going. We're he's, now we're here at sentencing. Okay, so so he's. In, you know, a jumpsuit, and he got, he's shackled together. And so, Dykes gave him a sentence. He never had to tell him, tell Roger what the maximum sentence was. And so what he was had, his nickname? 
Roger Dykes. I mean, uh, he was, he, he was, didn't have a maximum Roger like <laughs> mine was hang him high Giles. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> That's what my lawyer's nickname was. Wow. My judge, my judge, Giles. Judge Giles. That James T. There was a sharp intake of breath in the courtroom when, when that was announced. And I was standing there. And he's, he's angry. He's a young man. He looks up at the judge. He says, F you. He just doesn't use, doesn't use F. He uses Yeah. Oh, you can say it here. And I get, and so, 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 I'll say it. He so, said, "Fuck you." So the judge looked, looked down at him, and over his glasses, he said, "Motion denied." <laughs> great fucking. <laughs> what does he say? That's a great so, answer so, to so, that. And, and so, I in those days, you could talk to judges in, in a way that you can't really now. So I went back to chambers and, and talked to him, and so I said, "Judge, everyone thought you were going to hold him in contempt." Said to me, oh, David, <laughs> his outburst only momentarily disrupted the orderly administration of justice before they led him away. I didn't expect him to be pleased with my sentence. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, he didn't take it personally at all. Right? Is that where you learned it? How that not was, to be- yes. That's, that's a great that's, lesson. That's a, that's a valuable mentoring. I, I, yeah. I don't think he meant it that way, but it was a, I, I thought that was a valuable thing. I think you might have meant it. He he diffused it with just a slight amount of humor, and he it wasn't didn't take up any particular amount of time out of his out of his day there in court. Right, and uh, he was able to achieve a, uh, a, a, a he reduced the tension. Sure, and uh, was uh, able to go on. And didn't and, throw an extra charge at a person who probably didn't need it. it. What did it mean? Right, it's like give it. You know, when I was in prison. Guy's got two life sentences. You're going to lose 28 days game time. What? I'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. Listen, I got a conviction. And if you could look it up in the records, anybody can go on the computer and look it up. I had a conviction while in prison for 18 U.S.C. 1001, which is filing a false statement. The same charge as Bill Clinton. And the federal government wanted me to just, you know, they said, okay, well, you just plead guilty and we'll run time concurrent. And that's when I, I fought them. And I, and I actually lost that trial, but I made it so they couldn't use it against my brother in appeal. And we ended up winning my brother in appeal just for that. Because in my case, it didn't mean shit. I got five federal, in four different, or five different federal districts, I have convictions. You think, I, okay, give me another. Ooh, wow, it's going to change my <laughs> fucking life. No. Uh, I want a couple of questions, and we'll get you know. before but, before you go on. Ben, yeah. what he was talking about in shepherdizing a case was this: you, let's say you've got a case that's favorable to your position, and you're using that, but that case was overruled by some other case. Well, as soon as the judge learned that, that may taint the view of your entire brief. Right. You you you. So what he does by shepherdizing it, it checks for all the other cases that have cited that to see. You follow the entire case, not just just right. You see all the you cases, see all the other places, all the other cases that have cited that would tell you whether that case was overruled or limited or had uh, had affected by any statute. Right. Or but otherwise. you also judge is you also read the opinions because sometimes the dissenting opinion would would help us. We got into the Supreme Court. I, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of the judge. I think it was Clarence Thomas, or one of the judges wrote in a dissenting opinion, I ruled wrongly on the Almadero... Look at this. Good memory. I never forget. <laughs> Almadero Torres case. 
it was it was an immigration case, and the, the judge said the dissenting, uh, not the dissenting, the opinion, the actual judge. I ruled wrongly on this case. So when you see that, you know he's asking for a case to come back in front of him, so he can he can't just go and say, you know, I moved wrong. Let's change the. Can't do that. Has to. That's what he was talking about with the DUI case. Has that judge that the lawyer was getting case, so he had to bring it back because the first lawyer messed up. You can't just say, "Well, he messed up. I want to take." It was the same. It was the same lawyer. He he was. No, no, I know who he is. But my point is, you you can't just a judge can't just take a case and say, "I want that," no matter what it is. Now, in the Supreme Court, you actually have to get them to fight for your case. And if a judge told you in an open opinion that he ruled wrong, he wants a case. He wants something to come in front of him so he can Is open opinion on up. record? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. You can read everyone. Okay. And anyway, going back to the, uh, what he said with Jeopardize, it was amazing because you brought back a lot of memories because we learned so much more. First of all, young, what we call lawyers in prison, where even mm-hmm. out here, they're, they're, they're quoting the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is like quoting a fucking, uh, the, 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 Tony the gas station man, you know his, we have a character. Tony the gas station. He owns gas stations. So Tony the gas. He's gonna he be here, here Friday, by the way. He just texted me. Okay, good. To, Tony, you know that's like you know an opinion from him. I don't mean that against Tony. It, it, it didn't hold much weight with the Supreme Court of the United States, right. Ninth Circuit. But if you have a case out of your circuit, the one you're in, I was in the eleventh. If I caught a case in the eleventh circuit. That's strong because that judge who's reading my case knows it's in this circuit. He's not going to overrule his friend. And it, Supreme Court, of course. Supreme Court's law. If you only quote three cases in your circuit and the Supreme you, that's all you need. Don't go quoting this bullshit, this bullshit just to write because that's what happens and guys do that. And it was a pain in the ass. And the judge, that federal judge told us that. He goes, we loved you the way you guys did law. He goes, you guys who are good, you're better than lawyers we know. He says, because they'll come with all the bullshit and you guys see again, I didn't have to use legalese. I literally said, and I did it on purpose in a brief. Always I put something like this is if any layman or person could read this, they would say this is ludicrous. This is bullshit. How can that happen? A lawyer can't do that. I could. And the judge told us to do that. He goes, because when we're reading, you stop, you know. What the? Now you get a little bit. Now you're not a crazy. Obviously, they got the crazies. But he goes, if you guys are on point with your cases and the way you do it, you're bringing it to our attention. And I'm sure you read a lot. And I know you read a lot of cases. That to me, I understand because I read so many cases. It, it, that's why I'm very jaded a little bit in, in the law because I've seen the corruption. I'll give you a little corruption case. And Judge told me this case, not me. And he's so right. He did a class with a. Uh, uh, New police officers coming on the job. Okay. Do you want to tell the case? It's the case we... Uh, they got the guy in the hallway uh, and he lied on the stand. Oh, oh, oh. Look. We were teaching at what was then BCC's uh, police academy. Okay. Yeah. Police academy. So, you, you lost the mic there for a second. Okay. The police academy. The, uh, so these are not police officers, yet they're people training to be police officers. They give them very little training in testifying, even though you can unravel a lot of good police work by testifying in a, in a deficient manner. So they had, these two officers had a scenario the day before. It's not like they had a thousand cases. They only have this one 
that they had gone into into a bar, and of course these were all actors, and they had uh, the the bartender had told them that this guy sitting at the bar has been trespassed here. I don't want him here. Get out! And that, now none of them actually asked them why that was. There's no communication going on. Okay, they just said, "Look, buddy, you got you got to get out of here." And so he won't leave, so they grab him by the elbow, his shirt comes up, they see the gun, and they're off and running. Okay? So we had, I was playing one of the attorneys, I was the, uh, you the, were the defense, defense attorney. attorney, and the, uh, there was a very well-experienced uh, prosecutor, and uh, we had one of the officers way outside, and was instructed on what's called the rule of sequestration. Don't talk about the case with anyone. Don't try and collude your testimony. Because you can't be in, uh, witnesses and everybody have to be outside that's the courtroom. That's correct. Well, you gotta let the so, audience know. That's exactly know. right. You don't come into the courtroom until you're called to testify and you don't talk to anybody about the case. You can talk to a lawyer, but only outside the presence of any other witness. Right. So we take the testimony from one of the, one of the witnesses. The other one comes up. There's an auditorium full of cadets watching. And so the other one comes up and he says, uh, I, I say, before we get to that, let me tell you what had happened outside, okay? There was a kid from last year. I say kid, he was a, he was a cadet. I shouldn't, shouldn't say kid, it's pejorative. Nobody knows this at this point, just okay. they set this Correct. up. Correct, so he's, he's outside, he's got a tie on, a sweater. And so he said, what are you doing out here? To this other guy, he said, oh, I'm waiting to testify. He said, what are you, what are you going to be testifying about? Oh, is this case, the, it was yesterday, yesterday there was this guy in the bar. Oh, that's a Delta scenario. I had that. And they begin talking, exchanging notes on this, this matter. So the, uh, the guy comes in to testify. And I... Now, he knows this is all set up. So I, I, I say to him, I say, first of all, I want to exclude this witness based on a violation of the rule of sequestration, I saw him at the door, at the window on the door, they're trying to listen to, to, the, to the first witness's testimony to collude his testimony with that witness. It wasn't true. Okay? So he's sitting on a stand there, and so he was, he was asked, well, did you violate the rule of sequestration? Did you, did you do that? Were you listening? I said, no. I said, are you telling me that you didn't violate the rule of sequestration in any respect? He said, that's right. Let me bring the cadet in. Yeah, we were talking about it. <laughs> so, so, I, so I said to him, why would your career in police work would be over now? You know, you might be selling insurance or something. But it wouldn't. <laughs> so why would you do this? This isn't even a real case. He said, First of all, insurance, I, I, is, I, insurance sales was better than a cop. I, I didn't know I'd been <laughs> set up. Okay, it won't be the last time. Good lawyers okay. do that. Yeah. So I'm just saying you need to be truthful. He wouldn't have been excluded. You know, he didn't learn anything about the case by, by talking to the other cadet. He had his, he, he, he had written his report on this. So, but he talked about the case and he lied okay. right on and, the stand. So, so, so That's we, enough. But all you have to do is to say that you did that. I mean, it was, a, it was a lesson to the, and you could hear a pin drop in the auditorium, you know? So I, th I think it was a valuable lesson to them about testifying. Sure. Well, I, I thought, see, what, what it showed is human nature in my mind. And again, first of all, let me go. The, the United States has one of the worst police systems. Here's why. Not, because we train officers for six months. Did you know Finland, Germany, three years of an academy? 
three years. They have our, our equivalent of a BA. Right. 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 You know, and they need that, that because you can, in six months they learn everything at once and they can't retain anything. Obviously, it's and very most hard. of it is physical, and there's a lot of yeah. You know, I mean, you come at me with your little bullshit you just learned at your class, right. please. That's I, the I, thing, and then you see a lot of those videos on the internet, Judge. I don't know if you if you ever watch those videos, but there's a lot of videos of guys who bait cops. Oh, they're called the First Amendment. Orders. The First Amendment. I like orders. them. What they do is they know the freaking law, man. They just know it. They they wait for a cop to pull over. They turn on three or four cameras. Um, Just what they do, like the whole idea behind it is to catch a cop not knowing the law. And, oh, boy, they catch a lot. All the time. A lot. And, you know, the cops that do know it, they almost want to let their ego get in the way. You can almost tell that, like, this guy is going to get one on me. But, you know, the large majority of them walk away from it. The guys that know. Uh, but yeah. they, they they get a lot of them though. It's but almost it's amazing. You, you know that that First Amendment orders people. Oh, they shouldn't be doing that to cops and pushing them and all. Well, cops Dave, need I, to know the laws. Oh my gosh, Dave, I, that's all right. That's all right, Dave. That might cost me four hundred dollars. <laughs> 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 no, no, get over there. It's no big deal. No, You're no. not the first one or the last one to do that. Well, I done. You're right though, Benz. Police officers, if they're really competent. They're pleased to be able to testify because they'll be testifying about what they did. They'll be testifying truthfully. <coughs> it won't, won't be a problem. You. It's those officers who feel resentful about it that are the personal. Uh, like we talked with well, you. Well, one time I was a prosecutor and I had an officer like that, an agent. He's not with a sheriff anymore, and so I, I began my my examination of him. I was, you know, he came up, stand, said, uh, "Sir, could you tell us your name?" Lean forward in the microphone, angry. Yes, yes, I could. That was his answer. Wait, wait a minute. And, and you had a turn? I, I was a prosecutor. Oh, the, prosecutor. Can, the question was, can you tell us your name? Yes, I... I could, okay. but you didn't ask me oh, what my, my name God, was. I, I see goodness, where he's going we're with in, it. We're in for a long afternoon here. Yeah. You know, the jury already thinks that he's, he's not particularly credible. He's being guilty. Well, I'm just, no, he's, he's the officer. He's the officer. Oh, okay, the officer okay. saying, you know. He's being an asshole. Right. So, you know, but on the other hand, if an officer is credible and honest about what, what he's saying, he can be a very effective witness. One time, I had a case, I was a felony prosecutor, and I was asking questions of the, the, the officer. He just completely was not answering appropriately. I, I was ultimately stammered into silence because I couldn't ask him anything that he was res- would respond to add about value. this case. Right. And so he said, he said to me, as he was sitting there, I, I was just trying to formulate a question. He said, this is the case with the, the albino, right? I said, no, it's not the albino. This is the case. And so he turned to the jury and said, look, forget everything I've said. I know, I, know I, I was concerned about this other case. I've forgotten this, but let me tell you, I, I know this case. Let me tell you about this. Here's what I did. Oh, boy. And so that guy, the defendant was convicted because they believed the officer. Mm. You follow me? He was candid with them. Right. When he made a mistake, he was, he was candid with it. Oh, I and, see. And he was uh, credible. I'll, t- I'll tell you a great story. Uh, you know the, the man I'm going to talk about. Uh, Glenn Rodderman, very close friend mm-hmm. of mine. One of the top criminal defense attorneys around. Former judge. Uh, great friend of mine. Uh, golf with him. That's my buddy down south. And uh, he says well, he had it so easy. He loved cops coming on the stand. 
because he had private eyes that would look into the cops, everything he ever did on the job, his finances, everything. He would ask a guy, did you ever, you know, how, we, how is your, uh, you know, are you good with money? What do you mean? Judge is looking at me, he says, I'm going somewhere, judge. And before you know it, the guy lied about a stupid bouncing a check or whatever it is. And he goes, you don't, you don't remember bouncing a check? And now the ju- jury is looking at that guy saying, well, well, he's lying about that. How do I know he's not lying about this? Right. He's a lot of, won a lot of cases where they just ended up, you know, giving him the deal he wanted. Not so much getting off the case, but, you know, why are we going to keep fighting this case? Because it's going to go. I had a case, the defendant was acquitted. It was a d- simple DUI sort of case. And the officer had written down on the form that the defendant was 6'4". And so the, uh, the, he was actually 5'4". He was a foot shorter. And so he... Kind of a big mistake. He, he, well, he gotten that off of the, a mistake on the defense driver's license. He just copied it. And so the defense attorney can, can argue that, but can't really make much headway. Yeah, it's the, a frivolous, the, isn't the, it? A frivolous? The suggestion would, would be, well, he made a mistake on this, and then he also made a mistake as, as to whether my client was intoxicated, but that's not really, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily follow. So the, unless what? Unless the officer denies it. So the, the defendant, the, 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 the um, attorney asked him, well, this was, this was an honest, honest mistake, wasn't it? He said, no. Uh, so then the, ego. Then, the, then the defense attorney said, well, I, I would hope it would be. And he said, well, it wasn't. Oh, discredited immediately. So, okay, well, then then we go through 20 minutes of him standing next to the officer and saying, who's yeah. this? Okay, so at the, at the closing argument, the attorney argued the same thing that you just argued. One thing we can be certain of in this case, that if he made a mistake, he'd never admit it. There you go. That's and, right. and, you know, there's so many, obviously, again, I'm going to go back to the money system. When you have the money to hire a Glenn Rodderman, or you have the money. Do you think that? Do you think the public defender is going to do what Glenn Rodderman does? I, I don't know. I think any any any. No no no. Do you think the Glenn Rodderman's? I mean, do you think the public defender's office is going to put a private eye on the, the no cop no and and look into the no? They don't have the resources again. Resources and money and makes things fair or not. Sure. Now our system. I'm not saying to get everybody off because I'm not one of those people. Guilt is guilt, and and obviously only only people will know. I have to tell people with, with the case, they go, listen to me, you're going to get a lawyer, right? And you know, Tallini, Tallini does this. We check on lawyers because lawyers got 50 cases going on. I don't care paid or not. And you know your case better than anybody. The defendant knows their case better than anybody to themselves, truthfully. Never lie to your attorney, obviously, right, Judge? Because you, you doesn't help you. You can't. Uh, 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 so what, what when I, was, I when I was let me can I absolutely when I was a lawyer in the public defender's office I was of course in the capital division I wanted to make sure that my clients didn't lie to me because I knew how destructive of the relationship that would be and so what I did was this I would hold off talking about <coughs> the case and so we talk about other things which may come into play <coughs> if he was convicted and we're having a death penalty proceeding all sorts of other factors would be pertinent. What I would do is I'd go through a process of collecting the information. I'd get the police reports, I'd get the statements, I'd take depositions, I'd, I'd examine the physical evidence, I'd go back with them. I kept in good contact um, 
reporting each one of these developments to them, say this, this is how this witness appeared, and this is what the, the strengths and weaknesses of the, the different witnesses in the state's case overall. And so I didn't let them tell me about the case because when they're first arrested, they may make statements that were... Less than truthful. Yes, so, but does so, it matter so to you? Then, so then at the end of this time, when I go through this whole process, at some point, I would say, all right, now you've been, you've been advised about all of what the state has in this matter. If you were to testify, what would you say? At some point, I would ask them. You know what some of them told me? I'm not testifying. Cut me the best deal you can. Because they knew they were guilty. Well, I'm saying, but they, they, all right. They knew they, they, they had they, the they, goods. They may have already, they, they may have thought at the beginning that, that they have an alibi. They've got, okay, the problem is they've got other witnesses who are putting them at the scene. They may have thought it was self-defense, but they've got this other, the other issues. So they went through this without advancing to me some version that was going to be... That you could use and fight was for. Un, un, that was going to be untruthful. Right, right. So they didn't advance that to me because we eliminated that along the way. And so then they realized what had, the situation that they're in. And so sometimes they would, it took a while to do that, but I didn't want my clients to, to lie to me. I didn't want to give them the chance to. Because... You know, we see, the, we see these folks at first appearance. Everybody who's arrested has to be brought before a judge within 24 hours. Oh, is it 24 hours? I thought it well, was 48. Well, it's, it's 48, but we, we here in Brevard oh, County, okay. 48 would be see, the, I do the, know the, the, law the constitutional, I think, limitation. But 48 but, is if but, it's in a but, big city but, and they got a lot of people pending. But, but, but <laughs> no, we, no, no, no. 48 by but, federal law, but I think. We, I, but we do it here within 24 hours. But see, somebody's arrested the night before. They're put in a holding cell, which is like a metal shelf. You know, and so they're, they're, they don't get them a lot of sleep, and so sleep-deprived and anxious about this, their minds are worrying a mile a minute. I, I, I'll say it was, it was self-defense. It was, it, was it was an alibi. It was, it was, it, it, you, you just know, tell them, listen, so, plead so, not guilty. So, so look, <laughs> you don't have to say anything, you know? You should But it's hard for people not to be able to... Right. To, to do that. I'm sure and you so, see that all the time. So the, 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 the public defender at first appearance has their hands full just avoiding people doing that. Now, I, I remember one of my clients, the first appearance, alleged to be a sexual battery on a child. I represented those sort, for, sort of folks in the capital division I, as well. I couldn't have did it. I'm saying yeah. he, he said, he said uh, wow. you know, at first appearance, he said something like, I, I hardly touched her. Now you're. You know, I hardly touched the state. Her. Can, the state can rest now, right? You know? so I was. I, I had. I didn't have the ability to, to do much for him, in those cases. It's, it's got to be I, tough as a lawyer to take a case like that because I got to tell you, from my yeah, perspective, I fuck that guy. Well, I know lawyers who won't take rat cases, so I mean, it's the same thing. You have your own quality. Uh, my wife used to say, "He works for the government." Before, I got two major questions before anything but, else. But, but those were the cases we were assigned. No, no. I, 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 listen, I, I, again, we're just going back to why the system's broke. Right. But, you know, if, 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 I just want to ask for my audience. If they are arrested for a misdemeanor, any misdemeanor, I always tell them, listen, what, do you have a record? Do you this or whatever? I said, go and when you do approach a judge... Don't be scared to talk to that judge. Judges are people. You know, you, you get them, you get a person in court and you see, and then they say, I should have said this to the judge. I should have did this to the judge. It all and feels I don't very mean, formal. And I don't mean like tell him to go fuck himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
judge, this is it. He's a human being. He's going to look at people as a human being, and he's going to then use his judgment, and that's what judges are, to see what is, you know. That right. It really depends on the judge, because he can just shut you up immediately and tell you that I, I, and he And they wants do, and, and they get jaded, too. You know, a lot of judges just sure. want to get the dockets done and get out of here. And well, they're trying he to get their do job that. done. They're, they're doing well, they, the work. But they're not doing it right. They're not doing it right. You can't do that. I watched Judge Silverman. He's known as a guy who will, will really get to the detail, and you can talk to him. And I've seen him. I, matter of fact, I'll tell you one thing. I changed his mind in the court. We argued about, he said, you know, I'm going to give him more bail so maybe they won't commit another crime. I said, that's a bad idea. You should give him less bail. He looked at me and I go, all you're doing is charging the family. That's all you're doing. The mom and dad who love their kid, they want to get him out. He's got, they got to put up the money now. And why it's not going to change the situation. At the all. outcome is not going to change. All no. right, people are not attuned to the procedure in court. Okay. The judge has just made a ruling. Assume for the sake of argument, the judge has made a ruling on a bond motion or some other, some other um, motion hearing, not a jury trial. But the defendant stands up and says, Your Honor, may I say one thing? Okay, I don't think there's one question that scares a defense attorney more. Okay? Because he, he's about to make some... In open con- court. Some conclusory denials and some factual admissions which are ineffective because the judge has just ruled. Right. So I'm not... I don't agree that you just, you just no, go up no, and... No, 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 no. First of all, I meant when you go for... Without an attorney. Like in the... In the just let's take a traffic violation. In the state of Florida, at least, the cop is the prosecutor... The offender of the ticket is the defendant. That's how that works. If you don't say your case the way it is, you have no chance because the cop's going to say his case, what he wrote down. I was down. talking about a different scenario. I where, said where misdemeanor. You're, where, you're, where you're represented, but misdemeanors are represented by a lawyer. The appropriate thing to do is to consult with your attorney. Okay? There's Hoping a, he's competent. There's, there should be no harm in you telling your attorney, this is what I'd like to say to the judge. And then the attorney can tell you how much trouble that might get you into. There's no secret that Larry knows a lot about courtrooms and a lot about the law. <laughs> and he would want to bypass whoever it is the no, attorney No, you know, that, that's a good question. I've been asked that question. Larry, if you got arrested, uh, uh, would you represent yourself? Of course I say no, obviously. Because what, what's the old saying? A man who represents himself as a fool for a client. <laughs> I like that. That's true. That's, you didn't know that? Oh, yes. You didn't know that. So he's in the biz, of course. He I wouldn't. It. I wouldn't represent, but I would know enough to ask the right questions. And if he's not doing it, and it's sad because there are so many people who don't, right. and they get screwed. And I can go into a bunch of cases right here if they had a more competent, not only attorney, or if they knew enough to say things, they could at least have guided that. My friend Paul Tolini, I don't know if you know him. He did 20, you know him, Benz, sure. did 27 years in prison. He and I did the law. He did the law for 20-something years. One of the best jailhouse lawyers. Not a nut. Not a, he's nuts in his own right. Everybody's we, nuts in their yeah, own right. But, but he was so good at the law that what he did now, and he does very well, is he's, he's a, a consultant. So he'll tell a client, and this is the best thing. I'll, I, if you are ever charged with a serious crime, I recommend everybody do this. And what I mean is, don't just take that lawyer's word. If Larry Lawton did not study the law the way I did, even before prison, because 
I did it when I was in when I was first arrested. I got into what they call the 924C, which is the gun charge in the federal statutes. I knew that law like you would know your fucking balls hair or some shit. It did not. I knew it better than you can even imagine. So I I had an attorney. If I would have listened to my attorney and I fired him doing the thing, I would have got life in prison. And I would have got the gun charge job. So my point to you is this. Yes, what you say. Yes. Provided you got Bruce Cutler. Provided you got, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Cochran. You know, my point is a mega, mega attorney. I, I, See, I think Roy the, Black. I think the emphasis is wrong, Larry. I think it works the other way. I really think that people should follow their lawyer's advice for the most part. I really think for the most part. For the most part, for the most part. there they, you go. You're yeah. basically saying the same thing because you've added for the most part. If you would have said, no matter, matter what, you listen to your right. attorney. Well, of course not. That, so that's but, what but Larry's see, saying. But see, most people don't have the the knowledge or the ability to distinguish that, and there, there's such a desire. For people to talk, like the guy was saying at first appearance, he may have done something despicable, you know. And and but the the issue is whether or not his attorney should have advised him not to be talking at that proceeding, right? You know, and that's difficult. That's a real discipline that sure. you have to have to when not to talk. Oh, can you see so, me up there? No. So I'm saying, I'm saying that's that's the discipline you need, I believe, in uh, in this to 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 talk to somebody. And I understand your future's on the line. You're, you're desperately anxious about what's what's going to happen. To turn to someone and to put some trust into that person can be extremely difficult, particularly when they're telling you not to say anything, or you when you think you're smarter than them. So what, what really you have to have, and people sometimes ask me, who, like, who the best lawyer is for some situation, and I, I tell them there's no really one best lawyer. It's, it's a lawyer that you have a relationship with. You have to have the trust in this lawyer that you'd have in a, in a physician or somebody else who's, who has his life, your life in his hands, his or her hands. Larry disagrees. So I can, I mean, I can I, tell I by your that face. That's that's. It's critical to have that. I mean, if you have a, an attorney who's got this great co- co- reputation, okay, and you talk to the attorney in their office, and they, can't, they don't seem interested in what you're saying, they can't remember your name, and they're just, they're just inattentive. The large don't, majority don't hire of them. them. It doesn't matter. No. It happens it doesn't, a lot. It don't, hire, don't hire them. You'd be better off with somebody who's less experienced but who is zealously going to advocate on your behalf. You know, there was an attorney in the public defender's office that I, I got to be close with, and uh, you know him. He went to private practice, doing very well. Uh, he was the best one over the public defender's office, uh, Steve. And he fought for the case. Now, obviously, he was learning more and more. He was new. I think he was a new attorney if, uh, when he went with the public defender's office, I think. Uh, and what I disagree with the judge is I, he's putting trust in him because he got a bar bullshit. Uh, a, a, a plaque on his fucking wall. No, you're putting trust in him because you have that relationship. No, I don't give a fuck what the relationship is. If the girl, if it's a, a female attorney and I'm banging the shit out of her, you think, no, I'm t- listen, this is a serious question. You think I'm just going to trust her because I have a relationship with her? No, not that kind of relationship. He means well, a, relation, I, not, a professional that, relationship. That's not what, I, that's well, not what I'm talking, that's not the I'm relationship. I'm giving I'm you, I, I, uh, Judge, I'm giving you an example. You are put, I get, you're saying I don't believe that a person should put what you say, that relationship. I know attorneys here, you can get a relationship because they're good at that. They know how to get the client in. 
and they're a terrible attorney, whether it's in the trial part of it or the research part of it or... But the defendant would never know. Right. So how just you think you trust them? Oh, he got a great... It's like the sales pitch. That guy's giving you a sales pitch. That's if you're not getting the top 10, like you were saying before, the Cochran's of the world, if you're not getting the top 10, you really don't know what it is. And even it. those, you know, a lot of the cases they don't take. They have a guy who doesn't... I, we want to get a case against Bruce Cutler, his office. Do I think Bruce Cutler was the actual guy that did all the bullshit? No, no, no way. And I know that. So I know there was... He doesn't even know there. you exist. So you know there could be mistakes. My point is... I don't know how to do that. It's a good question. If you have selected the lawyer, as I have said, and you've gotten somebody who's interested in your case, who's zealously advocating for you, and you have that relationship, yes, I think for the vast majority of times, you should consider and follow the advice of that lawyer. Well, either way, if you're going to hire a lawyer, you've you got to follow their their, their Again. You should follow. No, you should follow their assistance. Obviously, they're done, and I agree but, with you. But Matt. I predicate But you this should on- do your own research. Don't trust him. Listen, I if I trusted it, and it was a high dollar attorney, if I I gave fifty grand before I blinked, and that was the first appearance, and I thought, okay, this is good. He did good. Then he calls my wife and says, "Hey, I need I need another fifty thousand. Doesn't call me." Larry's, because uh, it came out in a newspaper, organized crime with the jewel robberies and all that kind of stuff. Always facing life and all this. Missy's crying. She remembers to this day. She's a little baby. And it, first of all, sharks. My point, if I didn't do my own research on this through advice of another very big attorney I can't name because he was with the mob and I couldn't, you know, be associated with that. <laughs> and I, I don't believe in that. But my point was, if I didn't do it or get advice to check on a high-priced good lawyer, I would have got life, Dave. We would not know each other because I just took my unbridled trust and took... You know, the no, worst I, thing I see is a guy get, get a, a pretty good charge, whatever it is. I mean, a robbery, a big-time embezzlement, whatever it is. And they, oh, I got this great attorney. And they're golfing. They don't give a shit, and that's it. And they're trusting their whole life. I couldn't do that. I'm going to get his advice. I want to check it. But I want to know what he knows. I think I have enough brain power to understand, not to the depth of... Well, no, Larry, of course, you should investigate the matter just as you would... It's a matter of concern to you. And there's all sorts of access to information now that, Larry, when you were looking this up, you had to go through... All law books, of, all, all libraries, now, literal libraries. Now it's much more accessible. And if you have that relationship that I was talking about with a, with a effective advocate on your behalf, then they, they won't mind that. Oh, they'll, 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 they'll address that with you, and it will actually strengthen your relationship to have discussed this. A hundred percent. So I, I, I think... Well, 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 what you're saying is a whole different thing. I don't think it's every attorney, though. Well, what, what he's describing. No, what you're saying, describing is... is, is a true zealous. I, I, you said it. Advocate for you, somebody yes. who really wants to stand there and speak in your behalf and make sure that whatever the outcome is, it's to the best of your face. It, it's all in your face. I think they all want that, but the zealousness is the one that got me. And and it's listen. I understand. I rather have a young, decent, smart kid who, like he said, he's he wants to win. He's he's that he's that guy. You know, the prosecutor's not supposed to be like that. They're they're supposed to seek, but justice. they are. They are, and that's why I don't like Nancy Grace. They are supposed to look for justice, the truth, whether it's against them or for them. And 
we've I, I could show you so many cases in this county, big murder cases were overturned, or you'd think the process, you know, would have did the right thing. Whether whether he's legal or not or whatever, I know the protections. They could have done so much and been the right person for the job position title. Right. Now a defense attorney is totally different. A defense attorney has to fight on the behalf of his client to the utmost. I mean, how does he go against sex offenders and some horrific stuff I'm sure he's seen and still defend him? Couldn't be a lawyer because of that alone. No, I no. Well, that what, lawyer is, is what, what you have to do in that situation, as, as any lawyer would, you have to preserve your own integrity. I mean, you have to follow the ethics of your profession. And, you know, my clients... Well, what about your personal, My, my clients oftentimes would use me, have me use a hand axe. They, they're not worried about my ethics. Okay? They are... They are facing, facing a <laughs> Well, they're facing a terrible sentence. Larry, so... I, I understand that, so you have to be very candid with them. You have to be, have to be I, very diligent. I, I, I hear, mean, it, it, it puts an obligation on you. To, I, I hear what you said. I think you only did that. And I know you were in private practice as well. I was. Uh, let the audience know that as well. So it wasn't just a prosecutor and a right. public defender. He was no, also, I was a also private in private practice, did family law, did construction law, did other things as well. Right. So you, you've been to the outside. You Correct. understand the money end of it, things. My, my, you know, with lawyers, I, what, what Ben said, uh, I'm for, if I had, now you were with the public defenders, that's a whole different animal. If I was in my own private practice, if I had a law firm right now, I'd have a good one. But if I had a law firm right now, I wouldn't represent certain things that go against, you just said, your own integrity, your own morals or whatever wording you used, because I couldn't do it with the, the fierce fierceness that I want to fight that case. Now, we're all assuming, you, us in this room, that these lawyers are good people, not out for the money and everything else. And we know that's just not true. I mean, lawyers want to make money. Obviously, a big case, big client, big thing, no matter what, you know, you'll see these sex cases. I wouldn't take them. Certain me. That's just, and I'm, I, I'm glad they get represented. Because well, there, is, there is innocent look, cases, and I, I, and I not, do fight. I might not have taken them in private practice on either, Larry. Okay, that's, but see, was, that's where I was but going. But see, I was observing my duty as a public defense for, for a, the societal purpose of achieving justice for people who were um, indigent, okay, right. whose voices would not otherwise be heard right. in the system. And so you have, to, you have to be sustained by the knowledge that what you're doing is preserving a system a system, Larry, that many people feel, I understand there's always um, room for improvement, but many people feel this is the most magnificent expression of our democracy. This, this, this is the part that's working it, in it, our society. It, judge, it is. That's why I believe in the First Amendment auditors. Because we're, we're really trying to... They're educating fix, cops is what they're doing. They really are. And cops should love it. And, and they're... they're, they're Keeping them on their toes a little bit. And I like Somebody that. needs to do it. Absolutely. Uh, we got a couple more questions sure. as we go. And, and I wanted to get these in because to me. It's a long show, Larry. Do uh, you care? I don't care. I don't think the audience cares uh. either. What was your most embarrassing moment in court? Oh. Well, let me say this. I've gone a long way on good intentions. You know, when I think when people perceive that you are not trying to be tyrannical or overly punitive 
um, I've been given my share of breaks, and this was one of them. It was a simple traffic case. The courtroom was packed. We have these volume proceedings in county court. We do a, a volume business. So um, there's this young lady, thoroughly pregnant, in front of me, and so she's she's uh, pleads guilty to some minor traffic matter, and I'm going to be sentencing her to to pay some to some sanction. And so I, I, I wanted to know, I, so I asked her, when are you due? She looked at me, she said, due for what? Uh-oh. And so now everyone stops talking. Okay, the people were speaking various different languages. They, they all, oh, the judge is going to get it. This is going to be good. <laughs> you know? And they love and, it because so, it's so boring in there. And so she looks down. <laughs> That's why I love, you know, the judge on TV? If uh, I'll, I'll get his name. Long Island guy? It, it, no, uh, from Rhode Island. Rhode Island, that's yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. So she she looks down. She and then she looks up and she says, "Do I look pregnant to you?" And so I, I said, "Well," <laughs> I, I said, "What I was thinking is that if you were expecting a baby, I was going to give you more time in which to pay that fine." She said, "Oh." <laughs> in, in that event, uh, I'll need. Uh, I'll do it in six months. I said, well, and, and you'll need some time after that. I said, yeah, at least a year. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that true? Is that yes. a true story? So, so every, she kind of let me off the hook on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I never asked that again. Right. But you, L- you, lesson you learned, learned. Right. But I was when she realized that I was just trying to to be fair about this sure. and, and give her some more time as she would need it. She said, yeah. <laughs> I love it how people that. change, man. I'm, no to yes. <laughs> Another question, and then one after I had one more. Okay. Who is the craziest person you ever had in court? Now, you've handled murder cases and robbery cases and sex cases. I, could, I could stop this no, right no, now. No, not you me. You said you've been in this case. Oh, okay. It's not me. It's not me. I've been in this courtroom a lot. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Well, as, as an attorney, I had a defendant who suffered from dissociative personality disorder. It used to be called multiple personality disorder. Multiple personality disorder. You think like it's all nonsense until you see somebody who, who, as a result of horrific abuse as a child, created another personality that comes out to defend them when they are threatened. It's true. So you actually saw uh, their face changes, their handwriting changes, everything about them is different, and um, it was. It was pronounced we needed to capture this on videotape. And the jury replayed a portion of this where the person was being questioned by a psychologist and this personality came out and he was he threatened with a chair. The defendant picked up a chair and then the, uh, the psychologist was able to talk him down out of that. In the courtroom? No, no, this was oh. on, the, this was on the videotape. Oh, okay, video, okay. He showed. The jury played that a number of times, and what I believe that they were doing, and of course we didn't ask them, we don't know, but what they were, they may have concluded was that even in that state, in that alternate personality state, he knew the difference between right and wrong. Oh. And if they conclude that... But did, did then, they conclude then, that... Then he's, then he's, but did they, did they conclude that he was also able to help defend himself? 
Oh, he was able to. He was. You know what I'm getting at? Because yes. that's another standard. Able, you have to be able to help defend yourself. He was. He was able. He was. He was I mean, how can you do that with two he, personalities? One was one person. One's the other. How can't I argue? He's not in the personality that's helping me. He was lucid. I mean, uh, lucid he, is different than his, when he was in his uh, normal, usual personality. Larry, he was. He was capable of. I, I of get Participating, it. analyzing. The yes, others, but we're not talking about him. Communicating. We're well. talking. You just told me you saw a guy change in front of you, like uh, two different people, yes. from writing to face to language, yes. everything. Yes. Well, how do you now not say this man is not helping defend us? He's that guy. He, but because he has this condition, Larry, it's like any other. If you had a physical condition, it doesn't preclude you from from um, helping out. You may be in pain, so you can't communicate at the time. But when you are not, when you are capable, and when you are lucid, when you are are thinking clearly, you can do that. I, so I, I'm the, I, I'm bucking that because I think psychologists would come on and say, "How can he defend himself? He is John Smith, let's say, and he's he's Williams." I don't give a fuck. Oh, name. but he could be a four-year-old in one personality, right. and he could and, be and, twenty-one in the other. And I mean, then how do you? How do you? Say, if you already concluded that he had that disease, whatever yeah. it was, and it's been documented in the court, everything. How do you know he's not at whatever level that is that the judge says? Wait a minute, and the lawyer says, "Listen, this guy's the other guy. I can't get any question. I mean, I can imagine this guy at the stand." If he's because doing the guy that in, in, a court, in a courtroom, obviously, did he change in court or no. did he stay the same person? See, that's tough. When even when you see it on video, to not experience it as jury, at least I don't know if you see it on video. Uh, but then you know, again, that's where you get testimonies and everything else come in. You get a good psychologist. You ever see the movie uh, Primal Fear? Yes, with Richard Gere. Yes, that was a. Uh, it was attorney. There, it was yeah. a defendant who who appeared to be suffering from multiple personalities, and they were. Advanced, he was advancing that as a defense when, in fact, he was just feigning the second personality. Right. So that's, that was always a concern when you have a defense like that. And so we were, um, we had, I think, conveyed that, that he had that, but then what's actually going on with that other personality? Now, we're going to do the last question. Thank okay. you for that. Last question because we're getting long here. I know you got to go to yeah, court and go, you know, sentence someone. Oh Oh my gosh! You got to sentence someone, don't you? Uh, no. Come okay. On. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. I yeah. was gonna let Ben's ask it, but I, I mean, since we're on a thing, when you first met me, and this is a good question, I gave you my book. Yes, you gave me a proof copy of. Proof did you read copy. it? I what did, did you think of my I, book? I did read it. Okay, I, 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 I met Larry, and I, uh, he and I had uh, uh, had talked about uh, his life, and so. I had, I didn't have a full sense of the level of criminality that he had. <laughs> so I, I, I read like, like halfway through the book, and I didn't talk to him for a month. I said, oh my gosh, <laughs> he, he's been convicted of a fraction of, of what he. <laughs> so, True. So now, so then I, I read the rest of the book, and of course the book is gangster <coughs> transformation. Redemption. 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 Yeah. And of course that's the whole transformation is the is. The point of it, which I hadn't gotten by just reading the right, because the first you portion. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny. Right, I, I, go ahead. You know, go ahead. It no, took no, you, no, say, it say took it. you more I than got, a I month to go back to the book? No, that's all right. Go ahead. No, say it. No, I don't even know. Uh, well, it's funny because when, it, when the book came out, first of all, I co-wrote it with a seven-time New York Times bestselling author, obviously, Peter Goldenbach. People know him all over. Uh, when I come out with the book, 
you know, we, I had to go through a lot of tough times actually, you know, like my own abuses and it took us, took us two years to write the book. It wasn't like, Oh, a, a day we were on the phone every day. We had a set time and recorded and story. And he got things out of me that I didn't want out. Now I don't mean crimes. He researched that. Yeah, that was easy for him. But the abuse and shit. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, stuff look, you kind of almost uh, you push back in your mind. You know, and we're blessed to do that, right? You know, because you you learn from it. Now I teach people who are that. I said, listen, there's no excuse. Yes, it happened. We'll talk about it. But you have to move on. You can't let that keep victimizing you. You can't become that victim for it. I mean, and any listen, like we're on this earth for fucking seventy-five years, whatever the hell it is. Fucking live your fucking life. But with that said, I, it was funny because when the book come out, when he told me that, after he told me that, whenever I give a book out now and signed it for a friend, I said, "Listen, don't judge me on the first half. Read. I, I do. Right, right, that right. was all because of you." And I always I'm pretty say that. sure I'm pretty sure when you handed me your book, you said, read the whole fucking thing. I, I, my, that, I, those were the words that you yeah, said yeah, to me. Because you, I didn't say, you know, don't judge me. Cause you, shit. you already knew. <laughs> yeah. You already knew. <laughs> my, my point with that was the, uh, uh, obviously what he's saying, I opened up in that book. That's why it is the robberies and the stuff. And, and I was a criminal. I guess a little bit of a criminal. What do you say? And, uh, but <laughs> look at the, look at the look at that one again. Well, I, listen, do you judge me now? Not, not as a judge. I, I am not as a judge. No, I know that. <laughs> no, do you judge me as a person now? Larry, I think you are a remarkable personality and such a valuable resource to people. Thank you. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, that was really that was a really nice thing. Shit, to this say. is getting normal now. Yeah. <laughs> On that <laughs> note, <laughs> no. Good. No. We, we got to bring this to a close. I've got to go. Yeah, we. I know he's got to go. I got to go. Uh, hey, everybody, listen to me. I want to thank Judge Silverman uh, for coming on. Thank you, Judge. I really appreciate right. it. Ben's great job. The board's coming along, everybody. We're doing it. The room, you'll see it. You'll check these faces out on the, on the camera when we put this up. It's going to be great. <laughs> so, anybody, listen, thanks again. If you have any questions, it's Larry at realitycheckprogram.com. You can get us on Discord. With, uh, go to Ben's, message, you, message him there. We take all suggestions. We, we take stuff. And if you want to see a specific guest... Judge Silverman, I wanted, to, I wanted to show the people what a normal, good guy I know, got to know, and, 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 and could change his mind, and could change his mind. Because I always said this to Benz, I'm a hard-headed motherfucker, but if you debate me, and you could change, and I will change. Right. And that's the truth. With that said, thank you guys, thank Benz, you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Brother. Have a great day. Please make good choices out there. There we go. Be safe, and have a great day. Thank you, Larry. You too.